Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. My co-host, supping away on his coffee, as is his want, my, is my Mr. Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Steve. My third cup of coffee hey, mate. this morning. <laughs> really? One of those mornings. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. I'm mm. all right. I'm fine. Um, okay. It's been... Well, listen, hey, we usually have a little bit of hilarious preamble and banter, but we're just going to fucking crack on through mm. with the show yep. uh, this week. On this week's show, we're going to be reviewing the latest albums from Marilyn Manson, from The Pineapple Thief, from Uniform, from Sand Dunes and Richard Spaven, and from Ishan, plus on Broken <laughs> Records. We ask if it was third time lucky for Van Halen as we discuss their 1998 album, Three. Spoiler it wasn't um <laughs> confusingly their 11th album as well which confused the fuck out of me but yes oh i'm i'm sure we'll discuss yes, the yes. reasons Sorry. for that yeah. it is numerically confusing even more so when you get into the actual anyway oh, anyway, anyway. that's to come yeah, later to come. on yeah. definitely definitely stick around for that um uh, we should give a little shout out to our Patreon page where we've been beavering away trying to build up a, a little following. If you feel like this uh, this podcast is worth any of your money at all, um, then or you want to hear more from us, then go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and sign up for any amount to be able to suggest a Rioters review for us where you suggest an album and Renfrey and I spend between sort of 40 minutes and an hour talking about it this week um, to go alongside the ones that we've done previously from everyone from Oasis to Capital Decapitation, um, from Neutral Milk Hotel to Typo Negative, from the Natural Born Killers soundtrack to Nick Cave. Um, we chucked in the debut album from Killer Be Killed, mm. the Greg Pachato from the Dillinger Escape Plan, Max Cavalera um, of Max Cavalera fame, Troy <laughs> Sanders from Mastodon and David Elrich from the Mars Volta them and getting together mm. and others yeah um, them getting together and doing just a really really fucking great metal record it was lovely to revisit that wasn't it um, yeah really um, good record that good, yeah goodness me I love that album as you will hear if you check out the um, writer's review I think um, you uh, had a uh, you 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 re you changed your opinion on it a little bit. I think you sort of bit. admitted that maybe you'd been a teeny bit harsh on it in the past. But um, yeah, great, 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 great record. And they're releasing a second I, one later in the year. Great. They are yes. soon. So we look forward to reviewing that and getting more from that band that we didn't really expect we would get. Um, also, if you want to sign up for £5 a month, you obviously get our classic album tier where every couple of weeks we give you a classic album or a pair of classic albums as we have been doing i'm not sure how much longer we're going to do that for we might do that not all the time maybe do the odd one here and there because very very yeah very very briefly i wasn't sure if we were going to um, address this or not but a couple of what we've had a couple of people say that um uh maybe we're giving you t like too much content at the moment in terms of those things um I suppose we were trying to do two albums at once during lockdown when people were had less to do. But maybe, yeah, mm. we might actually reassess that at some point. Um, yeah. Maybe for the next one, as a matter of fact. Um, me and Steve haven't had an opportunity to talk about that yet, but yes. We, well, maybe. we hear I mean, it you. Makes, we hear you as well. Makes I'm yeah, it, it makes makes a bit of sense because I think the next one we're going to be doing. Do you mind me revealing that, Renfrey? Go on. Well, we okay. We've not recorded it yet, but yes, you can reveal it. Well, but this is what we plan on doing. Yeah. Well, I'm just excited because I'm excited. I think we're going to be doing your your pick is going to be Ghost Reveries by yes. Opeth. Yes. Yes. So that'll be cool. Yes. But this week, um, we've just released a double on Depeche Mode. That was my pick. Music for the Masses and Violator. And pretty much kind of a bit of a sort of 
quick potted history of Depeche Mode pre Music for the Masses, going in deep on that record and then going up pretty much up to about Ultra, we mm. sort of went up to, yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. we? So if you have never listened to Depeche Mode and thought, I don't really know where to start, I don't really know much about that band, I've heard that they're very influential to, well, quite a lot, quite a few people that we're going to be talking about today, in fact. Yeah. Um, then, um, do go and check out if you are a Depeche Mode fan. Like I said, I know Depeche Mode have an incredibly um, uh, dedicated fan base, and we'd like to know what you thought. Actually, we've had Absolutely. a few messages. People are so far seem like they're having a good time listening to it. So, I mean, oh, I just love Depeche Mode so much. I can't even pretend like I really had any criticism of them at all at any point <laughs> during it, the thing i just i just love them so much i think regular listeners will know that um depeche mode is a was a bit of a blank in my knowledge so it was really interesting to go in on it and um uh oh am i De- am i a depeche mode fan now i'm much closer to being a fan than i was i'm certainly i'm de- certainly a fan of one of those records let's put it that way mm. yeah. well i tell you what you know the, the day after um we recorded that special i went and bought uh black celebration on vinyl ah very nice so i was like i'm gonna get there basically everything now i bought that and i bought um another classic album to come one day the chronic by dr dre <laughs> you're looking forward to that aren't glad, you glad, looking glad, forward to that you remember glad you've said that publicly yep <laughs> yeah i'm calling it now i'm not saying anytime soon but one one day the chronic by dr dre will be on classic album i i you have you have my word as a gentleman Renfrey's now going to try and poison my um my cup of tea to make sure that he no, doesn't no, have to listen. no it's fine it's fine i've had to um, li- i'm sure i've had to listen to worse records but you know so it's fine about five this week um in fact every album this week is worse than the chronic by dr dre um uh, also go to uh, riotactpodcast.com and we still do have some merch available we have sort of been teasing new merch uh, unfortunately we haven't really got around to it yet because art takes time would be my um my sort of argument as to why and my rationale as to why we don't have a new t-shirt yet um but we do have the bonjour t-shirt still and we are sort of thinking some other some other ideas anyway let's get on with the show But we start this week with some news that probably would have been completely unfathomable this time last week. Um, Holy Raw Records, a label that we on this podcast have spent most of our existence saying nothing but good things about, has, as far as we are aware at present, ceased to exist. Um, So on Monday, some very serious allegations of sexual assault and abuse came out regarding the founder of the label, Alex Fitzpatrick. And within 48 hours, there has been a mass exodus from the label. So Rolla Tomasi, Ithaca, Svalbard, Mole, Palm Reader, Oms, Respire, Secret Cutter, Boss Keloid, Holy Fawn and Renounced are just some of the bands who have announced their distancing themselves from the label. And... Maybe most crucially of all, the entirety of the label staff have now resigned. Um, Alex Fitzpatrick himself has issued a statement claiming that the allegations are false and he has stepped down from his royal at Holy Royal Records in order to, quote, focus on clearing my name. So these are the facts we know so far and our assumption is that the label will fold completely. Um as I've already said, this is a label that we as a podcast have been almost 
universally positive about since I since our inception. But in light of these events, it is our intention to cease any mention of the label itself going forward. Um, Holy Raw was a great label, um, but it was a great label because of the bands that made up its roster. And some of those bands are not only acts, musicians that we believe in, but individuals that the two of us have close personal friendships as well. We believe in them and their decision as artists and as friends. And if they felt that they morally couldn't continue to be represented by the label, then we fully support that decision. Um, We believe that none of them have done anything that should lead to this show ceasing any support or coverage that we had intended to give them. They are not complicit in these events in any way, and both of us would urge you to continue to support these bands with the same passion as you ever would have. Uh, In many cases, as I've already said, these are longtime friends of both of us, and we will stand by our friends and the choices they have made, and we know that those choices will, will not have been taken lightly. Unfortunately, don't think we can say the same for what is left of Holy Raw, hence our decision to stop any future mention of the label. More than anything, both Renfrey and myself hope that justice is served to any individuals who have had their lives irrevocably changed by these events. These allegations are very serious and it goes without saying that Renfrey and I think that any form of sexual assault is totally unacceptable. Those engaged in sexual abuse of any kind should be investigated and subjected to the due process of the law. Uh, It it takes a lot of bravery and courage for people to speak out. And our deepest sympathies go out to all of those who have been affected. And I really don't think there's anything else either of us want or need to say regarding that. It's it's an ongoing story and there's... There are things I'm sure. There are things that I'm sure both Steve and I would like to say, but we need to keep a professional air, and that's what we're going to do on this show. So, yeah, there's nothing more to say than that at, at present. I think. Um, sad news as well. Milk Teeth have split up. Um, Becky from the band uh, has given this statement saying, after battling with the decision, the time has come for me to move to a new part of my life. Today marks the bittersweet end of Milk Teeth. A huge thank you to anyone who supported us and myself over the past eight years. And thank you for all of the incredible memories, conversations and backing through both good and bad. I won't ever forget where it all started. Four kids from Stroud making the music they loved in college. We did more than we ever could have imagined possible. And I will be forever proud of how much we achieved. Sending love to you all and see you for the next chapter. That's a real shame, I think. Real um, shame. Yeah. A few years ago, Milk Teeth were a band who um, I would have tipped to be um, a kind of staple, a long time, a long term staple of the British music scene, sort of in the higher echelons of it as well. They had an enormous amount of potential. Oh. Fantastic debut album. Uh, continuing that with their um eps which i thought was really good as well uh you know a a lot of difficulty within how much the band changed um lineup and how unsettling that must have been for them throughout that time they had a lot of bad luck thrown at them didn't they yeah, yeah a lot of bad luck and unfortunately i think a lot of that bad luck that was thrown at them meant that people 
either forgot or distrusted what mm. they enjoyed about the band in the first place, which I think is quite unfair, actually. I think it's unfair to to kind of go, well, that's it then. People love to do it. Like, he's, they're out, he's out, she's out. Mm. That's it. That's done now. Oh, mm. they've changed. Oh, this. And, you know, yeah. uh, I, I think that's... Um, without really giving a band a chance to the, the new line of that band to kind of solidify. And I mean, you know, we're talking about Van Halen later on mm. and they've gone through some serious changes in some places where you just think, well, there's no coming back from that. And yet they did. Uh, yeah. And bands can come back from lineup changes. I think Milk Teeth have a right to feel pretty hard done by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think you agree with this, but personally, I felt like the milk meat, uh, milk teeth material was just getting better and better and better as well. I personally prefer that second album to the first. I, I don't think you would agree with that, but I... I don't really know, but I do think that that, that is not... A, I mean, actually, on, in the wake of this, I re-listened to it for the first time in a little while. So, mm. I mean, maybe I'm as guilty as anyone for kind of listening to it a few times again. Yeah, it's all right. And there are some great songs. In it. I mean, mm. I've spoken before about how good... I don't know how much M had to do mm. with the songwriting process mm. in the new stuff, but yeah. um, I feel like I can feel her fingerprints over yeah. some of it, and she's an absolutely fantastic songwriter. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. I, I, I get the. We, we don't know this for a fact, but I get the feeling M had a bit of a, a hand in the songwriting process for that second album, and um, it's one of those cases for me where there's songs on the first record which are unbeatable. Um, but as an album as a whole I prefer the second record um, and mm. it just seemed like so promising and after that second record I was like brilliant this is Milk Teeth getting back on their feet and I think you know I'm sure I'm sure the not being able to tour it in the manner that they would have wanted to with everything that's going on at the moment with the Covid situation was probably uh, this is speculation but was probably maybe the final nail in the coffin and I can totally understand that um yeah just just really sad um i didn't know becky well i think i've met her very briefly at a festival at 2000 trees probably like very very mm. briefly you've interviewed her a couple of times as far as i recall you yeah yeah, a bit. yeah yeah so i mean you know all of them always seem like really you know whoever happened to be in the band i was always like always a really kind of cool friendly and very excited to be where they were yeah always. we didn't know we you didn't know? know them very well i don't think but, no you not know, really but no. but like from what we did know uh I certainly i always had a lot of time and respect for becky and um certainly as a performer and uh, and as a songwriter as well um and yeah i hope i i hope she's okay and i hope that she goes whatever she goes on to do or whether it's in music or in something else uh that it makes her happy and fulfilled um but yeah uh beyond that i don't really yeah. know what else to say really no but a real bummer and a real shame um that it never really happened for them um it has happened for this band that we're going to talk about but again drama um literally about an hour ago before we started recording mm. it creeper have tweeted creeper have parted ways with drummer dan bratton um that's all we know uh that's that's the tweet i mean if you're listening to this you you probably know you may more already, than we do. You may yeah. already know more than we do um, uh, as to why and uh, the situation around it. You know, that's um, a very brief statement, uh, but um, 
yeah there we go that that's that's happened yeah it's very 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 brief isn't it and we wouldn't want mm. to speculate on um what's happening and therefore really at the moment that's all we can say really yeah uh, and, Don't and know what's going on there. yeah and as you just said steve it's likely that you guys probably know p- people listening probably know more than we do at this stage so yeah, yeah but we thought we should but mention it dan has left creeper um so <laughs> Good week for news. Um, yeah. Finally, something for you to get excited about, Renfrey. Um, uh, John Cage. Uh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a bit of you, isn't it? John Cage fans gather to witness chord change in 639-year-long performance. I mean, you've given me some albums that feel like 639-year-long performances. Um, but yes, uh, hundreds of fans gathering at... Um, Halberstadt in Germany to witness the chord change of the late avant-garde composer John Cage's um, performance piece, which is entitled Organ Stroke ASLSP, or As Slow As Possible. As Slow As Possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, it's been done on a special organ, which uh, emits a continuous sound thanks to energy gener- an energy-generating compressor in a church basement, which began in September 2001 and is scheduled, sadly, I mean, unless we can get some sort of time machine, I don't think you're going to be there to go like, encore, encore, because <laughs> it's going to end in 2640. 2640. I've That's- actually made arrangements to freeze my body um and and be re- <laughs> and be unfrozen uh just so that i can hear the so, last chord so of the performance so you can give it seven out of ten in that <laughs> one, yeah yeah i i take my duties as a reviewer very 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 seriously indeed um so yes uh i <laughs> i mean i wanted to throw this i uh, look just to show you how selfless i am i thought i'd throw this in because i thought it'd be lots of material for steve to rip the piss out of me so there you go uh <laughs> but um john cage eh? uh we've discussed john cage a couple of times a little bit yeah yeah uh, are you a fan of john cage <laughs> uh no um, I'm glad that he, I'm glad that someone like John Cage exists. You know, I like the fact that someone as, so he was, he's most, he's arguably most famous for his piece 433, which is four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 oh, well, oh, the BBC have summed it up quite well. The three movement composition from 1952 is for any combination of instruments. So you could play it on triangle, uh, guitar, uh, kazoo uh but instructs performers not to play them listeners instead hear the sound of the surrounding environment during the four minutes and 33 seconds the work lasts i mean i would like to point out if people think i'm pretentious john cage <laughs> you know yeah re- uh, respect remember, to the dead and all that but do, do you, know. you remember when um they tried to get that to number one they did they, they did like a kind of <laughs> no. celebrity they did a celebrity <laughs> cover of, of of that in the sort of late noughties and yeah, they had yeah, and it was because they, they wanted to get it to Christmas number one instead of X Factor. I think they did it. Right. Oh, it that might, would have been might, great. That would have been it great. Might have been, it might have been. I mean, Simon Cowell was furious at the idea. Um, but it might have been after the sort of the Rage of the Machine thing. But I remember watching the video and it had Katie Melia and the bloke from the Kooks in it as well. Was it Katie Melia? Or it might have been, I think it was Katie Melia. It definitely had the guy from the Kooks in. It had a load of like quite crap sort of indie musicians from the time in it. Mm. And I remember <laughs> thinking... This is genuinely better than all of your actual <laughs> music. 
just <laughs> watching the, Luke from the coach with his hands in his pockets in sort of sepia tinged black and white was far better than being like, oh, I love her. Because... Anyway, always oh, ragging on the kooks at the moment. Yeah, I feel well, like I'm ragging on the kooks quite a lot. They're easy to rag on, aren't they? Um, they really are. Yeah, John Cage. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really pleased that that someone like him existed and and did and 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 did these sorts of things because there's a part of me that makes me go well fair play to you for being avant-garde to fuckery uh and thank 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 god like thank thank goodness there's someone in the world who makes godspeed you black emperor seem normal you know seem like a palatable band That's do you know true. what i mean i mean if yeah. you think godspeed you black emperor i mean godspeed you black emperor are on on the very high pretentious end of the post-rock spectrum i love them but but goodness me like they are it's like oh we're just gonna have a noise uh, track with noise for seven minutes um but john they, john cage makes godspeed look like fucking avril lavigne Le- or avril lavigne <laughs> or something you know so and for that for that i love him and appreciate him but am i am i a yeah. fan uh no no i think it's good that music can be so many so much so many different things mm. that music can be and that's brilliant isn't yeah. it so yeah. fair play to him yeah. yeah i mean you know i probably there was a bit there going oh click here to hit, hit, listen to the chord change and i was like no nah, i'm good <laughs> um, um i especially am, when i am I got... planning a trip to uh germany to hear the next chord change though um so uh which is oh it's some it's not too it's much much closer actually it's uh happening what? in like two years time yeah mm. he's sold like out sort of punk covers album <laughs> uh anyway um but i got, don't have time for that not when we've got many of music to review many a music many a piece of music to <laughs> review and and we start with marilyn manson there the is. album is called we are chaos uh it's the 11th studio album from the god of fuck following <laughs> on from 2000 is he still called that i don't think he really does refer himself to himself oh, as the god of fuck anymore no 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 it's fine i think it was well worth bringing up um i mean he said it so oh know, he, he said it he said it all the time have a t-shirt with it on yeah. the back so have a t-shirt with i am the god of fuck written on the back of it yeah yeah i'm trying to take on the mantle the prince i was of a fuck nice boy <laughs> <laughs> or the, the earl of the <laughs> earl of fuck <laughs> yes quite i'll do that uh yeah um <laughs> So it's an album following on from 2017's Heaven Upside Down, which was, let's be honest, rubbish. Is that fair to say? I thought it was okay. And I think if you look at latter-day Marilyn Manson albums, it is one of the better ones. When I say latter-day Marilyn Manson albums, I'm generally referring to Eat 2004 Me. 2004 Beyond. Oh, I was about to say Eat Me, Drink Me <laughs> yeah. Onwards, um, which I yeah. think is 2006 and beyond. Yeah, but yeah. But- yeah quite a long time really oh a long it's a long long time i mean is there really any point in getting excited about a new marilyn manson album i mean you're just setting yourself up to get pissed off aren't you he's lost on this record he's lost tyler bates who Mm -hmm. he was talking about as being his muse and he was a producer on the previous two albums which is the the last one and the, the the sort of single heavy pale emperor which i thought had some good singles but as an album i was like no not really not really. So I, I will I will add Pale Emperor is probably my favourite latter day Marilyn Manson album. But would you rate it that highly in his back catalogue completely? Uh, ooh, I've not thought about it. Um it would probably be fifth. 
at a guess. Mm. Yeah. So Off the top really, of yeah. it's been a while since we've had a good Marilyn Manson album. Oh, and yeah. if you're thinking you're getting another one, you should probably put the old crack pipe down. But in a year of shocking things happening, Renfrey, Marilyn Manson has released a good, no, actually a great, a great Marilyn Manson album. You did that so well. I genuinely didn't know which way you were going to go. So fair, fair cop, Steve, because we haven't really talked about this yet. We haven't. Um, it's, it's, it's a real surprise, isn't it? This is actually, do you know what? The first time I listened to this, and I don't know if it's because I've been so disappointed by Manson in recent years i was just like oh i just can't be fucked with this and he and and it's it's different isn't it he's doing something different here he is and and And... initially it was quite alienating to me and i'll be totally honest i listened to it through once and i was like it's another shit manson album but upon further listening i think i'm in agreement with you i certainly think it's a very good album and i'm i am i'm holding my finger and thumb together very very closely i am this close to thinking agreeing with you that it may well be a great album as well it's very very good isn't it i couldn't quite believe Mm. what i what i was hearing did you respond to it did you respond to it immediately or or did it take a little time like me it might have taken a little time and the reason for that is is because i think probably like most people i went into this going here we go another stodgy boring Oh, he's come back and it's just as good like uh, Marilyn Manson now. Because let's not forget, um, you know, the last one got in a lot of people's like 20 of the... I think it was in the top 10 of the year in Metal Hammer's end of year list in 2017. The critics pick. So a lot of people seem to enjoy that record. I thought it was fucking just a shit version of what he'd already done. Mm. Like pretty much just a sort of crap like uh, uh, there's something about artists desperately trying to recapture the good old days that they can't get to anymore Mm. that you know is kind of sad to hear sometimes Mm. Mm. and i've spoken about and previously uh, we've both spoken about how someone like robert plant or when failure came back or when faith no more came back and they sort of they didn't drastically change what they're doing, but they adapted to their age and they adapted to their their new mindset. There's a there's a touch of there's a touch of the Johnny Cash about this. I know that seems like a really weird thing to say about Marilyn Manson, but there's a touch of the kind of last days of Johnny Cash about this record. Well, I tell you why it's not a weird thing to say. I mean, you're absolutely right. But well, the reason it's not a weird thing to say is because rather than working with Tyler Bates for this record, he's his new collaborator is Shooter Jennings, who is yeah. um, sort of a country and Western star. I don't know loads about Shooter Jennings, but he's I know... He's the son of Waylon Jennings, who's a country musician. Oh, I should have made that connection. Yes, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but he has a schooling in country and Western, doesn't he? And um, yeah, there's this really cool, as you say, latter-day Johnny Cash-esque vibe to it. Uh, there's a lot of like honky-tonk piano on the record like Mm -hmm. so much piano on this record it was really interesting i read a review with um manson and rolling stone where uh he was saying he was saying that there was a lot of piano on the record but clarifying himself and saying it's not necessarily elton john style piano maybe more benny and the jets style piano and 
I thought that was quite interesting because before I read that interview, I'd written in my notes lot of piano on this bit like Elton yeah. John. I think it is quite yeah. Elton Johnny. Um, I, I don't know if I don't know. I mean, you know, the last song on the record, Broken, Need- Broken Needle, I think is a good example of the Elton John-esque mm. piano on it. Um, I mean, I appreciate that there are sections of Manson's fan base who would say, Elton John, I don't want to hear that on a Manson record. And that might be the reason why he's distancing himself from that but they're ignorant so fuck them you know like it feels really like good. quite an ignorant thing to say when you consider how marilyn manson was massively inspired by david bowie and alice cooper well, the 70s hard rock and you think about the, the that i mean benny and the jets that period you're talking about of elton john would have been elton john at his you know his kind of when his star was at the highest you know yeah. and and actually when you listen to that those elton john records from sort of I'd say about sort of 73 up to 78, 79 era, that kind of where he was like, you know, probably one of the biggest stars in the world. Mm. All of those records are peppered with really quiet, cool, melancholic, subtle songs. It's not all Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. No, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean, obviously, when you think of his biggest songs, Rocket Man and um your song and tiny dancer and stuff they they are obviously quite melancholy but you know there was definitely a real bombast surrounding elton john in that period which is not a million miles away from what glam rock was Mm. in fact it's incredibly close to what glam rock was so yeah i think if they're thinking like oh elton john what's that got to do marilyn manson well even without this album still quite a lot yeah yeah mechanical mechanical animals is totally totally relatable to elton john at his most bombastic and sort of fantastical whether you choose to acknowledge that or not 100 percent. i mean to be fair just to clarify i'm speculating that certain sections of manson's fan base would say that i don't i haven't actually seen that but but yeah i i i, I you know i i think there was the, I, and i really really like the piano approach with this record i think it's really 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 cool there's some fucking great songs on it i mean um one of my favourite songs on the record is Halfway and One Step Forward. Oh, that's brilliant. Which begins with this kind of untuned or detuned honky-tonk piano thing, which is married to, you know, a fairly traditional mid-stomp electronic beat. And it's a really fucking cool combination. Like It works really, really, really well. Lush um, pop mixed glam rock, isn't it? Very nice. Very nice, yes. But, with, but, but in a sort of saloon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, the saloon thing's a really interesting point because you can almost imagine Manson at the piano in a Wild West saloon playing these songs in the corner of the room. And um, that's actually not a bad way to approach the record, I think. Um, and I, I, I do, you know, I do really like that about it. Like I said, when I, when I first put it on, I was like, yuck, what is he doing? This is a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. But I have to admit, I really, really thawed on it after a few few listens and realized that actually there's some really really good stuff on here and not only that but the best stuff in my opinion is the ballady stuff you know paint, absolutely paint you with my Abs- love for example oh, it, it's gothic balladry at mm. its absolute pinnacle yeah i think i mean you could say there's stuff in it which is you know i mean red black and blue you know, it's a fairly kind of bog standard yeah. Manson number, but at least, I mean, I, what I would say is that at least that has 
it's recaptured the energy and the atmosphere and the sort of heaviness of his older material. Yeah, um, it's, well, yes, it's not disposable teens. It's not no, no. beautiful people. Irresponsible hate anthem. It's not it's certainly not irresponsible hate anthem. Fuck me. But yes, I understand what you're saying. It's far more of a mid-tempo stomp. I think actually that's a point that's worth making. I don't think there's anything on this record that you could actually comfortably play in a nightclub, in a rock nightclub. No. Um, you know, no. Un unlike songs from Mechanical Animals, Hollywood, uh, Antichrist Superstar, Golden Age. Well, I've got to stay me all those albums now. Um, but, but I think that's a good thing because I don't like, at this point in his career, I don't want to hear Manson do that because as you say, it will just be inferior versions of stuff he's done in the past. And the fact yeah. that he's he's kind of taken this sort of, you know, I mean, he did this to an extent with the Pale Emperor as well. You know, like this isn't the first time he's taken a sideways step, but he has, but but he's definitely doing stuff on here that I don't think he's done before. And I think that's, I think that's, you know, I think that's great. I think, I think there's some really, really good shit on here. Really good shit. I think, yeah, as you get older, it doesn't really make much sense to try and continue to to be the sort of angry young man that you used to be. And I think what's cool about this is that I never really, well, I suppose because of mechanical animals, you can see that there would have definitely been something there that he could have latched onto that, you know, he was, he was able to change. But I, particularly for the last, well, what we're saying now, probably at least nearly 15 years, about 15 years you're going everything you've tried to do is a bit different hasn't really worked and every time you try and yeah. you know be, you know tap into that antichrist superstar thing it's just not as good it's you're just, just you're, not, you're not able to do it anymore yeah. and there yeah. is stuff on here like i mean i thought the title track sounded a bit like creeper from the last record mm. do you know what i mean it's got mm. that kind of like the way creeper um, sort of married pop with shit like Tom Waits and Chris Isaac. Mm. And I mean, actually in the build up to this, one of the things that made me go, well, you know, it's a one-off song, but maybe was that he covered the end by the doors. Yeah. And on paper you yeah. think, well, that's not really a very good idea yeah. for him to do that. Yeah. But actually it's that good, is a it? really, really good cover. Mm, and particularly now listening to this record, it's like, oh, that seems like he's found some sort of formula to you know, growing old gracefully, yeah. which you never would have thought Marilyn Manson would be able to do. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, that We Are Chaos song, it, it's a lighters in the air ballad moment, isn't it? And it's the second track on the record, which is quite an interesting yeah. position to put it on. Uh, but it has a really almost um, borderline euphoric chorus, I think. You know, it's quite, it's again, it sounds, it sounds pretty different for Manson. It's quite mm. difficult to, I mean, his voice is so recognisable that you know it's Manson as soon as you hear it. But so, and I think that's why I found it alienating at first because I was like, ah, I can't equate Manson with this kind of thing. But I have really, really, really warmed to it. Um, I was curious to know your thoughts on Don't Chase the Dead as it has quite a gothic 80s feel to it. Yes, I've. Put, it sounds like The Cure covered by a 90s new metal band when that actually sounds horrible. <laughs> but um, but it's actually like, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. you know, there are moments on that because they're only peppered throughout the album. That when you go like, oh, this sounds like Marilyn Manson, as we all know and love him, or you know, a version of Marilyn Manson that we're more familiar with, I should say, um, they actually is like, oh yeah, that's quite cool that he can still 
you know, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I really love Infinite Darkness with that. You're dead longer than you're alive, which is kind of mm. classic Manson, but it's a bit more creaky, a bit more weathered. And he sort of, he does try and go for the sort of heavy um, dollar, if you like, mm-hmm. in that one. And he doesn't quite hit it, but I think because, you know, it's not that all the way through. Mm he gets away with it because it's not that all the way through i think he gets away with it i have to confess it's one of my least favorite tracks on the record if i'm totally honest but but i don't but i don't think it's a bad song uh it, it's just for me that song feels like one of the moments where i'm like well you've done this before manson and you've done it better before mm. yeah um i think keep my head together is really good yeah um love keep my head i love the sleaziness of keep my head yeah. together and that out big glam riff that outro when he sings uh i fucking love you i love fucking you i eat glass and i spit diamonds is fucking great like that's yeah. it's actually it... really quite a beautiful sentiment in a way you yeah know? he's like you hand me a shovel and expect me to dig my own grave yeah is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I really yeah. Like. it kind of and it's got this sort of slide guitar outro bit as well mm. it sounds like now it sounds like the 50s and it sounds like the 80s all at once mm. um mm. yeah i really really like that um solve collagula's sort of song you can imagine being accompanied by a video of him walking alone through the snow i think do you know what i mean like it's not one of my favorites on the album but i think it's decent enough i was but about to I, say might be my favorite song on the album so i've cl- Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coagula, sorry, not Caligula. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I really like that song. Yeah, Um, go on. Um, But I really think, I think Broken Needle, you've already mentioned it, is... It's brilliant. I think it, yeah. that's a, that's probably my favourite song on the album. Yeah, fair I enough. I think it's this massive closer. It's got a lot of really emotional stuff on here. And that's the other thing. Like, the thing about Marilyn Manson over the last 15 years is that rather than doing rather than the character like what was so cool about mechanical animals or sorry an antichrist superstar mechanical animals hollywood is that they felt like they were kind of rooted in some sort of reality but he was still very much in character of marilyn manson when you get to shit like eat me drink me you're then like well this seems a little bit too like you're just a normal guy now yeah you You might have a creaky voice but you've you just kind of crooky creaky gothy voice you might dress weird but you're sort of a normal guy now there's less theatrics to it yeah whereas this one i think is it feels much more rooted in brian warner yeah but it but it still feels like it keeps that persona of marilyn manson alive and evolving with it as well certainly lyrically yeah absolutely and that's you know that's quite a difficult thing for him to pull off this deep into his career um it feels like yeah. to me that he's been trying to do that for a few albums i do feel like i mean obviously I, I it feels like i like the pale emperor a lot more than you do but i do think he really tried to do that with the pale emperor and i think there were moments on that record where he succeeded but not as well as he succeeds on this i have another reason uh, another theory as to why this album is the best thing Mance has done for ages and ages and ages um even at his best Marilyn Manson is not known for his brevity, you know? Yeah. He is not known for uh, doing short, sweet albums. We did Antichrist Superstar as a classic album recently. If you take away all those ending 
idiot. If you take away all the the bonus tracks at the end that are um you know silence for fucking ages. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. album's like seventy minutes long. Yeah. Born Villain is sixty three minutes twenty five seconds. The high end of fucking low is a whopping seventy two minutes twelve seconds. You know, it's just like oh fuck off, mate. Even smells like children. The 1995 EP, which contains the famous Sweet Dreams cover, is 12 minutes longer than this album. This album is yeah. 40, around 42 minutes long. 10 tracks, 42 minutes. 42 minutes and 27 seconds. And that is by far the shortest Marilyn Manson album. Before this, it was um, Heaven Upside Down, which is around 47, 48 minutes, something like that. But I do think... You know, I know I bang on about length all the time, but I do think that this is a large part of the reason as to why this works, because it's quality over quantity. I I can't hand on heart say that I think every single song works, but I also don't think I take any song off it. I would make like minor changes to things and stuff like that but but you know i i, I it, it works as a record for me in its mm. entirety because it's yeah, short I, <laughs> I absolutely agree with that i it's 10 tracks and even there's a few that i don't love but i just think they kind of everything ticks along i think so e- quick even so the, quickly that it's fine even the songs that i don't like i feel or, or don't like as much i should say i feel add to the whole and mm. i cannot say that of of most marilyn manson albums like mo- the most marilyn manson albums have at least a few tracks i mean some of the later ones have fucking half the fucking discography uh, half the track list where you go do you really need this <laughs> but um but yeah I, I i think i think it feels like everything that's on here should be on here you know yeah um, i agree i'm i suppose i i have uh, the only thing that I'm slightly weary of is, is you know, I have, I have done this with Manson albums in the past, with the latter day ones, and I have gone, oh, this is actually quite a good Pale Emperor being the big one where I went, oh, I think I might go back to this, and then just haven't. Do you think you will go back to this record, Steve? I do. Amazing. Because I tell you, I tell you why, because we're reviewing five albums this week, mm. and I've got a couple of other things I'm meant to be listening to as well. Mm-hmm. And I got up this morning and I put this on and I was like, why are you listening to this again? You don't need to listen to this. Oh. You've heard it. And I've been listening to it a lot. And there's no other Marilyn Manson album since, well, you have to go back to the 90s, basically, that I that I listened to. I mean, really, as much as I like Marilyn Manson, and I do like Marilyn Manson, um, he's always felt like a bit of a sort of greatest hits person to me, other than, I mean, I know people are going to be like, what, you don't really like Hollywood? I know like Hollywood is like Merlin from Hammer is his favourite album ever, ever made by anyone ever. I, I, I do think Hollywood's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think and I think Hollywood is great, but I never <clears throat> listened to it. I listened to Antichrist Superstar, if I'm going to put him on. Yeah. And I do listen to Mechanical Animals because I think it's really different. Yeah. Anything post-Hollywood, unless it's singles, I just don't listen to. Same. Well, I do. I do think I would listen to this. I think I might go back to it. I think it's been a really, really strong year. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's a good chance that I'll go back to it. I mean, I definitely said that at the Pale Emperor and I barely have been back to it. <laughs> so, so I'm slightly reluctant to say that. But yeah, it does feel like I would go back to this. And I do think this is better than the Pale Emperor. Well, so. I, I Like for me, it's a, an absolute no brainer. This is the best album he's bounced in Hollywood, I think. 
without and I, you know, without any question, without a second's hesitation, I think that. I am hesitating, but I also agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Good. I think it probably is. Yeah. So there you go. Good Bush album. Good Marilyn Manson album. Yeah. Yeah. Very good What's point. going on? Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, we Are Chaos by Marilyn Manson is out now. Right. Our next album we're going to talk about comes from The Pineapple Thief. This actually came out last week if you're listening to this podcast as it is released. It's called Versions of the Truth, the 12th studio album from the K-Scope Prog Masters. Um, now, I've got to be honest with you here, Renfrey. I've never really gone in this band. When I say I've never really gone in this band, I haven't gone in on this band at all. <laughs> um, but uh, due to their connection with Stephen Wilson and Porcupine Tree and all that kind of stuff, the K-Scope thing, which yeah. I have a sort of vague interest in, um, I've always felt like maybe I should have. Mm. You a fan? I like the Pineapple Thief a lot. They are one of these bands who um, I've, well, I've seen them live twice, uh, once in Barcelona, which was good fun, and um, once at the Islington Assembly Hall. And every time I see... Was that not good fun? It was good fun. No, it was good fun. It was more fun in Barcelona. I was in fucking Barcelona, mate. Come on. It was outside. It was hot. Lovely stuff. Mm. Actually, actually, I say it was... I mean, it was hot, but they started their set they were headlining this festival and they their, their set started at like 11 o'clock and it was 11 p.m and it was fucking 21 mm. degrees or something oh it was lovely uh i was pissed as a fart um <laughs> uh, it was great um and and i i and i i really like pineapple thief um i have never purely down to time really i have never gone in on them as much as i would like to you just said this is the 12th studio album by them i, I actually read somewhere it's the 13th i can't be asked to check oh, okay. uh but but basically they have a shitload of albums um and i have listened to maybe four of them probably including this one and i'm always like yeah that's a good album but um but that but you know pineapple thief are one of those bands who demand your time really who who mm. need much more time and i'm always like it is this the is 13th good. by the way that's my i obviously pressed the wrong key when i went to <laughs> type the thing out and i put two instead of that's, three because okay. i've actually put i've actually put the t- word the 12th third <laughs> i put one two rd so i obviously went to put th- um third no, anyway i fucked it up i fucked up it's the 13th it is the 13th sorry everyone um yeah and i and, and i and i really like them um i haven't said this yet have you um gavin harrison from who's the drummer in mm. porcupine tree very 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 well respected drummer and fair play because he's fucking brilliant um is now a permanent member of this band and con- contributes to the songwriting as well and i think that is a very good thing um you can hear it you can definitely you hear, can it. hear it yeah 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 i mean i have a limited like a lot of genres i have a limited amount of um space in my brain for certain things right mm. and i would say that modern kind of the k-scope modern prog thing mm. it's something that when i like it i really like it mm. like i really really love porcupine tree again it's some odd fear of a blank planet will be on classic album yep. one day yep. it's an amazing record i've got mad love for Stephen wilson yeah but because it's not usually the sort of thing that i listen to loads 
I've basically, I've got my favourites, I've got them, and I listen to them, and I don't really step outside of that much. But now there is no porcupine, now there is no porcupine tree in the world. This feels like, on the on the basis of this one album that I've heard, mm. this feels like a very worthy substitute to me. Yes. Because it has all of the things that I really love about um, Porcupine Tree in its locker. Yes. Yes. Which I, I'm assuming is not a sort of an accident um i i have absolutely no idea whether the pineapple thief would um would like to like those comparisons or not but it's certainly the way i feel as well to be totally Mm. honest i mean i think if porcupine tree still existed and were doing their thing you know stephen wilson still does music and it's brilliant but he's he's moved away from the porcupine tree sound very much so and i fucking love what stephen wilson's doing now you know very much looking forward to his new album which is coming out in january but um you know in terms of like doing that well (laughs) pink floyd prog rock thing um there aren't many bands who are doing it to that standard and um the Pineapple Thief are one of the bands who are the closest to the Porcupine Tree standards, in my in my yeah. opinion. Um, and and I do really like this record as well. It's far more, it's far more song based. Um, there's only God, how many tracks are there on this record, Steve? Ten, ten tracks. Ten, ten tracks. It's forty six minutes and fourteen seconds. So once again, like a nice kind of slight album especially in this kind of realm i mean for prog there's only one song that goes over the five minute mark yeah i mean that is seven seven and a half minutes and it's our maya and it's a great fucking song isn't it yeah i love that song brilliant song um you know and and there's some really interesting ideas on it it's very very diverse and goes to lots of very very interesting places um i think it's i think it's really 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 cool i'm going to i mean look it sounds like i'm sort of um talking around it a little bit because due to events that have been happening this week i have not had as much time to listen to this album as i would have liked to i'm going to confess that right now usually a record like this i'd like to listen to at least half a dozen times before i was actually reviewing it and due to things that have been happening which we've already discussed i've listened to this three times i think which is to be totally frank not enough uh so my apologies for that but i do think it's really fucking good uh and i like it very very much your thoughts on it yeah i really like it and i mean i've probably listened to it a few more times than that to be fair um i I wasn't i have to say i because i was like oh you know they're a prog band and i kind of like prog but do i need it that much you know i know what i like you've mentioned pink floyd who obviously i i love um and i've said about how much i love the porcupine um about porcupine tree but i was like i don't know do we need to review this but then having listened to it like i think what and what i liked about it is that it's prog in its um i guess it all of the elements that you expect this kind of music to have in progressive music are there yeah but it is really really um song driven I mean, if, yeah and and it's quite it's not an, a daunting li- listen no, at all not at i don't all. think and a lot of the references i have are things for that for the record are way outside of prog i mean uh, there's a song called too many voices which is sort of a ballad and it's brilliant mm. and it reminds me of it's like a biffy clyro ballad mm. do you know mm. what i mean it's mm. it's got the feel and it's got you know this has pop hooks i mean 
Leave Me Be is great. And that opens like Boys of Summer by yeah. Don Henley. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, that's a ma- like, if you're a prog snob, you might go, what? But that is a massive, <laughs> to, from, to me, that is a massive compliment. No, yeah, yeah, That yeah, is totally. a huge pop song. And I think, you know, the, the ability to write songs and to make them feel complex and to make and to give all the parts enough time to breathe and to you know to explore different soundscapes while still having very recognizable hooks you know really really like really catchy melodies you know really kind of memorable parts to those songs and it not feel alienating and to do it in you know i mean um actually i say there there are actually two songs there's a title tracks five minutes 50 um yeah R. Myers, 727. They're probably two of the more complicated tracks in it. But you've got stuff like Driving Like um, driving like Maniacs. It's three minutes 35. I mean, Too Many Voices, which I mentioned, three minutes, 19 seconds. And it doesn't yeah. not sound like a prog song. But to me, it almost doesn't sound like a prog song. Like, Out of Line, it's just over four minutes. It's a really kind of quiet and it builds to something. Yeah. It has that kind of building blocks that are necessary for prog. And it has different parts um, that kind of interlink and and weave around and are very it's clearly a very progressively minded song but it just makes your foot tap as well and i think that's that's cool for prog to not be a daunting thing and this album is is not daunting it's actually really really um accessible i think to most people and that that's the type of stuff which i think is great in in this type of music when you can do that i'm really glad you said all that because you have actually without knowing it you have actually summed up what i know of of the pineapple thief's entire career really i think that's actually what they do very very well they kind of make uh they make prog songs that sound epic and cinematic and sound big but they managed to squeeze them into four or five minutes not all the time not every time but certainly the latter day pineapple thief stuff that i have heard that is generally what they do and what they do very 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 well i mean my the 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 pineapple thief album that i am most familiar with and the one that i like the most is one called your wilderness which is their 11th studio album and again you know that that has a lot of songs which are around the kind of four minute mark four and a half minute there's one song on it which is like approaching 10 minutes but the album as a whole is only 41 42 minutes but it but they still don't lose that sense of big epic progginess and i think that's exactly what's great about pineapple thief and porcupine tree had that to an extent as well so certainly later on in their career i mean porcupine tree did all sorts over their career so you know to say that is true of everything they did wouldn't be the case but um but yeah they do have that same sense of it as well i think this is a really good record i really wanted to be able to kind of uh, assess where i thought it was in the in the pineapple thief albums i'd heard i mean I don't think it's quite up there with your wilderness yet. I feel like I need to listen to it a bit more, to be honest, to say beforehand. But it's probably my second favourite of the ones that I've heard. Um, I've also heard Magnolia. I think I've heard Disillusion. I think it's just the last few, basically. Um, But the last sort of four or five. But um, yeah, I think this is a wicked record. I really, really like it. And I'm looking forward to getting deeper into it uh, as time goes on and as I get a bit more time. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, it's made me go, oh, I should go back I and mean, if you're saying your wilderness is better then i will probably have a listen to that because I, I i do i think so, i do yeah. i i do need a new band to be scratching that porcupine tree itch i hate to keep mentioning porcupine tree all the time but you know they they are whether they 
like it or not, all the things that I loved about Porcupine Tree are all the things that I love about this. It is difficult not to. And if the bands do happen to listen to this and don't like that, we do apologize profusely. But then at the same time, for us, it's very difficult to avoid that uh, because we both really fucking like Porcupine Tree. But it is a compliment mm. from coming from yeah. us. So it's definitely, well, for me, it's definitely, and from you. Oh, yeah. It's from definitely me. meant yeah. From, yeah. as a compliment. So there you go. Uh, that's called Versions of the Truth. It's by the Porcupine. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't do that. Ah, the Pineapple don't Thief. Do that. Um, the porcupine thief um no the pineapple <laughs> thief is out now uh let's move on to our next album which comes from uniform um the album's called shame it's a fourth full-length album from the industrial metal nihilists who i saw live last year and who blew my bloody socks off um, i was going to ask you about that can you remind me what the gig was and uh, you saw them supporting someone didn't you no no i saw them headlining um ah. uh, at the uh electroworks oh in wow angel Wow. On, it was probably last year and it was one of the hottest days of the year it was unbelievably hot i had to stand near a fan like what <laughs> they have a blowing air in my face this and, is a great review of the gig yeah but it was just it was so it was it was like that it was one of those like hottest day of the year um days it was really ridiculous and they uh they were as um uncompromising and as uncomfortable as the surroundings as well because it was like a, an absolute sweat box and mm. they were just as oppressive as the heat yeah pretty wicked i didn't know I, I i had heard of uniform before this and i remember you talking about them then but i didn't really know all that much about them before this um this is the fourth album from them they're a new york uh industrial noise trio do you think that's fair yeah. to say yeah. um and i didn't know all that much about them but i have to say press play on this and was bloody impressed yeah. um, well what i will say is if you are one of those marilyn manson fans that were going oh i'm a cyber goth and i like the the old industrial crushing days i don't want bloody elton john coming into my marilyn manson album well don't listen to this instead then because yes um it's, it's heavier it's heavier than old manson fuck me oh cool yeah absolutely fuck it me. it's but, you noisy know, if if you're going to be making those comparisons well, quite yeah. you want to live by the sword you die, die by, by the, the sword, sword as quite, well quite. and this this is um i i I like this a lot. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I like this a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really, really great. And I mean, again, we said industrial metal. Um, I mean, the, the the kind of the opening track will really give you some indication if, if you think I'm accurate by using that as a terminology. But and, and it will probably be it will help you to understand to, you know, to decide whether this is your bag or not as well. Yeah, because it's, you know, although they do a fair bit of stuff if you can this to me is old school sanding clattering classic hardcore played with some kind of industrial bent upon it like to me there are bits that delve back as far as i mean the last song on the record which i think is fucking amazing it's called i am cancer mm. and it's like killing joke meets discharge and i think a lot of this record reminds me of killing joke meets discharge i'm sorry i made uh orgasmic noise there but that was because that was such a good uh comparison yes that's a very very good a very astute comparison i think um yeah killing joke meets discharge i like that a lot that works a lot um 
I really love. Uh, I think that song is amazing. Uh, like seven and a half minutes or something like that to, mm. to finish the album. I love the yeah. way Shadow of God's Hand, it's like the second track on the record, I think, starts as this really swampy, sludgy, stompy number uh, and then charges into this bonkers thrashy bit out of nowhere. You're like, where the fuck did that come from? And then gets all sludgy again. And it's like, oh, this is brilliant. And for me, it kind of summed up what was great about the record because... Like it was, it's heavy as fuck and it's really, really oppressive. And even like, it's a short record. It's 34 minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah. And I put it on and I was like, okay, this is great. But is, but am I going to stick? Is this going to keep me interested for the whole, even though it's a short record because it's so fucking like, whoa, but because they do um, change things up in that manner and they do it very, very well. Um, yes, I think it does keep my interest mm. for the for its entire length. It wouldn't have been able to be much longer than it is, I will say. Um, but it it that's irrelevant because it isn't longer. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I I think I think they you know this level of intensity. Uh, it's a very particular type of intensity, mm. and it is again like without wanting to kind of repeat what I've already said. The intensity they have is a I, I think a kind of a long forgotten level of early 80s American hardcore stroke kind of crust punk intensity. And I think it's really difficult these days with all the modern production, like a lot of, you know, we, we speak about hardcore bands who just ape that completely, but it's hard to mix that with anything else mm. and for it to sound as just, you know, deranged as this often does mm. this has got like i mean and having seen them live i can say that their front man is mental right he looks like a he looks like you know you see sometimes you see people on the street and you're like i might cross the road because <laughs> that person do you know what i mean it's, He's it's one usually of when you see me on the street isn't it i'm like <laughs> yeah, steve yeah, I, steve yeah. steve i i cross the ocean i get on a ferry <laughs> to calais um yeah yeah <laughs> uh but um Steve, it's me. Steve. <laughs> yeah. Pulling up on a little boat next to me. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got a post rock album the, for you. I've got the, I've got the elongated demos, jams of the last Caspian record. Oh, I'm like, speed up. Speed I've got up. the new John Cage record. <laughs> Steve. Oh, God. Um, anyway. But yeah, he's got that, um, his name's Michael Burdan, uh, and he's got that really, really unpredictable quality about him. He has, like, lyrically, you know, the, the lyrics on this are just full of sort of hopeless frustration, mm. Um, mm. themes of sort of desolation and anger and just helplessness and, you know... Uh, you could even say kind of imppotent resigned fury mm. at the state of society. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you read is, the press notes for this record? I did. I mean, I kind of, I skim read them. Maybe, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, just because I wanted to add to what you were just saying to there, there's a really interesting, I mean, I'll confess I didn't um, get this. I'd be lying if I said that I got this from listening to the record before reading the press notes, but there is a really interesting, um concept if you will i mean concept is probably not the word that they would use but just very briefly to read this so it says what if the anti-hero in your favorite film or book had no chance to repent reconcile or redeem himself there's no victim to rescue there's no evil to thwart there's no tyranny to turn over instead of saving the day against his better 
judgment, he just walks a Sisyphean uh, circle of existential malaise, doomed to repeat yesterday's vices without the promise of a better tomorrow. And then uh, vocalist Michael Burden says, thematically, the album is like a classic hard-boiled paperback novel without a case. It focuses on the static state of an anti-hero as he mulls over his life in the interim between major events just existing in the world. At the time we were making the record, I was reading books by Raymond Chandler, James Alroy and Dashiell Hammett and strangely found myself identifying with the internal dialogues of characters like Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe. Mm. Now that whole film noir thing, um, we've never discussed this on the show, but that is a bit of me, right? Whilst Mm. you're having your, you know, 80s Lost Boys party, I'm I'm sat here with Billy No Mates watching Double Indemnity and the Maltese Falcon as a double bill. Um, I uh, fucking I don't feel like I need to say this, but I have a better, so more popular social life than Renfrey. <laughs> on on my film noir nights, yes, you do. Um, but fuck We're me, all watching Gremlins and having a lovely time, <laughs> and I'm watching hard boiled film noirs from the forties. But I do I love that shit. Raymond Chandler books I devour. James Alroy, you know uh, James. Elroy wrote LA Confidential. Mm. I mean, come on, LA yep. Confidential's a fucking amazing I love film. LA Confidential, yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Yeah, come on. Um, you know, and I um, like it. Don't hurt me for liking something. It's better than Lost Boys, isn't it? I mean, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Boys, you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and uh, oh, it's going to be another controversy, isn't it? Uh, thank you to everyone on Twitter who had a go at me for the Lost Boys, by the way. Um, it, actually, you're all very kind and very funny, so it's fine. Um, but yes, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I really it's one of those things where you know I'd be lying if I said that I listened to the record and got that immediately but learning that knowledge made me go oh I like this even more now I think that's even cooler the lyrics um seem even cooler and I like the fact that there's that theme theme's probably a better word than concept mm. around it um and I just thought that was super cool I mean I don't know many records like this that are based on film noir and I'd like to hear more, please, because I like it. Yeah. What's the? F- I mean, the first lyric on the record is "You are what you've done. You are what's been done to you." Yeah. Um, and that kind of circle of like shame mm. that they just repeats over and over again. I definitely got that from the record, and it is like circle of shame. I mean, it's called shame. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 It. It is a really, really good record i would say oh it's cool Shane. i didn't even i mean i did know that obviously but i didn't as i said that it didn't even connect the two uh anyway yeah uniform if you want something really fucking horrible this week that's the one to go for uh shame by uniform is out now um we're gonna move on to talk about sand dunes and richard spaven this album is called spaven x sand dunes it's a collaborative album between the indian electronic artist and the uk drummer uh, i don't know anything about bloody nothing about these <laughs> artists at all it's all right i can feel, so I can feel i'm you gonna fill fill me in okay so uh as you said sand dunes is a uh indian composer producer and beatsmith um as uh, according to her website uh richard spaven is a uk-based drummer knows known for his expressive jazz infused work with flying lotus brain feeder and more um i wanted to yeah. mm, mm. Yes. Didn't know that. Yes, okay. what you do now. Uh, I wanted to include this because I thought it was a very interesting ambient electronic collaboration. And we don't do loads of electronic music on the show. Um, but 
personally, I found this one a really compelling and relatively unique one. Um, I don't think either of us have brilliant references for this kind of thing. You probably have slightly be better references and knowledge than I do. Um, but to me, this sounds a bit like the cinematic orchestra um, or a, maybe a much more chilled out version of Three Trap Tigers. Um, mm. And I am into that a lot. It's kind of like a hybrid of jazzy drumming with these really nice electronic um, textures and um, patterns that Sand Dunes creates. Um, the sounds that she conjures on a song like Tree of Life, for example, I think are really, really interesting and novel. There's lots of like bell-like synths, which I think I think I played on a Fender Rhodes. It sounds like it's a Fender Rhodes to me, but don't quote me. While she's working predominantly in electronic music, she does keep these sounds sounding very organic, I think. And that's something that really, really appeals to me because personally, and this is just a taste thing more than, you know, anything else. But uh, I personally get a little bit turned off electric mu uh, electronic music when it's a bit bleepy bloopy or, you know, techno, techno. You know, I, that that is not my cup of tea. Uh, personally mm. and there's a very very minor amount of bleep and bloop on this ep such as on evelyn for example but it's very tastefully done and i really like that um shout out to richard spaven who again yes i didn't really know about i knew i know who flying lotus are but that's about it really um uh talented as fuck um fucking amazing drummer very much comes from a jazz drumming background um like all of the best drummers in the world to be totally honest with you um whether you like jazz or not i think it's fair to say that the best of the best of the best have a have a jazz background at the very very least one yeah. that springs to mind is jimmy chamberlain from smashing pumpkins um so if you like that kind of freestyle jazzy drumming thing i find it really 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 compelling um i do appreciate that the word jazz is a four-letter word to most in fact it's a four-letter word to everyone but i mean it in a sort of sweary sense um and it can be very very divisive but i don't i don't think that this is a jazzy p i just think it has the backbeat and the backbone of jazz um <laughs> but and there are moments where it goes off into a little bit of an off kilter free jazz kind of thing, but it always like pulls it back very, very quickly and doesn't disappear up its own arse. I think it it teases you and suggests that it might disappear up its own arse and then it doesn't and it becomes more interesting. Um, so broadly, that's what I think of it. What do you think of it, Steve? Um, I agree with a lot of that. I think um, this is, without knowing anything about either of these artists, I put it on and straight away, I just liked how it felt. Mm. immediately um without wanting to sort of dissect it musically which i think you know um which i will do in a minute but i think in terms of just putting it on straight away i just immediately went i i like how this sort of feels in my ears makes the straight room makes straight away makes the room feel nice doesn't it Changes yeah the yeah yeah the room, and this is this is kind of exactly what i want to hear from i guess ethereal minimalist electronic jazz fusion stuff i don't listen to it a lot no admittedly no, neither um i i mean i think this is really good it's really warm yes um one album that i like that i really really like and i know people who are more familiar with fortet now might 
not see a direct correlation between these two records but rounds which is one of the first i'm not sure if it is the first or one of the first anyway an, an early fortet album which i i remember getting and being like this is so wicked hmm. um and it reminds me a bit of that but it's even more um laid back if you like okay uh, that that occasionally would because yeah you know like so much of this is just a beautiful soundscape and then this drum pattern which shouldn't really like i mean particularly on the fort the fortet one i'm talking about sometimes it feels like they deliberately put slightly off kilter drums to make you go all right which bit do i listen to but i think yeah. the the melding of these two things on this between the two like as a true collaboration yeah between two artists yeah i mean would i be that interested in well saying that i've listened to um flying lotus and it's you know he's obviously really really good i wasn't aware that it was him that was on those records but yeah he so i probably would listen to um richard spavin on his own i don't know what sand june's usual stuff on her own sounds like i want to listen um, to more of her stuff though after listening but to this. yeah but, yep. but i would be interested to listen to it but i wonder if it does have that because it just gives it a little it's like i mean to to <laughs> it's like if you were making if you're making a, a sort of stew or something if sand dunes is a stew i feel like richard spaven is like or a chili is like a couple of drops of um of tabasco sauce or something just to give mm. it an extra kick yeah 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 that's, yeah, that's nice. um yeah. and so i think apart maybe i wouldn't i think i would still like i mean as i said i've i've, I've obviously have heard richard spaven before and enjoyed it I, I i mean i can't comment on sand dunes but yeah. if you took richard spaven out of this i think it would be probably a less interesting record um, I, I i certainly think the collaboration is what particularly makes this really fucking cool yeah yeah the, like but i did read together. it but i did read an interview with sound tunes um and she was saying how the talking about the importance of when you collaborate with people mm. you have to really really collaborate with them mm. so i'm not sure what this says about her usual work and mm. you know how but 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 it feels like a genuine collaborator and it's funny because we will be talking in a, little, a little bit later about you know the nature of how important it is to listen and collaborate with people <laughs> that you're working with and how that can completely go to shit sometimes if you don't listen to them um <laughs> eddie run eddie run Holland. um and um and this is sort of like i i kind of want to keep this in mind as well these are definitely two people who are are very open and very willing to to find some sort of not even middle ground but some sort of or happy medium but yeah. something where the two of them are both as expressive as they both can be and yeah uh, you, do you know what i mean so yeah i really like this i mean it's weird because i've put it on about five or six times and i can't pick out anything really no. from my mind because it is just like it's one of those ones where you just want to listen to it in full yep and totally. i go oh, i like i like that oh, oh that bit's good or that drum part's good or when it kind of see segues in from that drum bit into like a much more you know floaty ethereal electronic mm -hmm. pulse mm -hmm. it's really really cool but there's nothing from it that i can actually pick out but it's a i, I really like it i do agree I mean, I'll, yeah i'll, I'll definitely there's no doubt out of everything this week well this in uniform i think i there's no doubt i will go back to either of these two you spoke about the marilyn manson album i'm pretty sure i will go back to that yeah but i'll definitely if i ever am sat in the garden and feel like listening to something 
nice yeah, yeah this is the yeah. sort of thing that i would put on and it's really good yeah i like R- it a really really lovely ambient style record when i talk about the ambient side of it i'm so happy that you like this man but like when i talk about the ambient side of things this is the kind of thing that i really like to push mm. and talk about because it is ambient and it is chilled out but it's also really fucking interesting you can listen to it as background music and just have it as a lovely thing that floats over the top of your head but if you actually tune in to it and tune your ears in and listen to it there's fucking loads going on on it at the same time i I actually think that there's that this is a much more um this is not like i mean when i spoke about oliver arnold's and how it's like it's nice because it's a passive listen and it can just sort of sit there and just slowly affect your mood and you don't really have to concentrate on this i actually think this is a very engaging record Mm. i actually do think this is a really engaging record and i do think you can sit there and listen to it and enjoy it in the same way as you would any of the other records that we've spoken about this week because Mm. i do think there is there is so much going on and there is so much happening it's not i mean it is essentially minimalisty electronic music basically Mm. but at the same time there's a lot to latch on for, for this type of thing there's a hell of a lot to latch on to. Yeah, there's there is loads going on, and yet it is really calming and chilling. It's it's an mm. it's an album of uh, it's an EP of contradictions. But we talk about music and contradictions in music all the time, and how that is often a really really good thing. And I, I yeah, I'm really thrilled that you like this because I I thought it could go either way to be totally honest. But I'm really 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 thrilled you like this because because I've really taken this to my heart a lot. This yeah, this it's good. This yeah, I mm, like it a lot. Well, good. Yeah. yeah okay that's spaven x sand dunes by sand dunes and richard spaven uh finally before we get to broken records we're going to talk about ishan i think the first time we've spoken about ishan yeah. properly on the show before yes, pharos um it's another the second ep from um this year from the norwegian musical auteur he had the one out a couple of months ago with the taylor swift front cover didn't he the one that he ripped <laughs> off the taylor swift album cover which we were gonna we oh, were gonna do but, we're gonna but get we never got around to it yeah, well we, were, we never got around to it well look let me throw this in right now we were going to do it and i'm going to confess right now i gave telemark that ep one listen and i didn't want to say things that i didn't like about ishan because he's an artist that i really really respect and telemark didn't do an awful lot for me if i'm totally totally honest i probably i have actually gone back to it since and i'm actually i don't know if i was in just a really foul mood when i first put telemark on (laughs) Uh, but i do actually think it's better than uh i probably gave it credit for um this ep though i think is fucking great and it's totally different as well to telemark yeah, and now I didn't listen to Telemark. Um, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, I'm not massive are on Ishan's solo stuff. Are you stuff, going to, to apologise to Ishan, Steve? I don't feel like I need to apologise to Ishan <laughs> because I haven't done anything which is mischaracterising him in any way whatsoever, <laughs> un- unlike you have with Architects. Um, but um, mischaracterise them. I just don't like their music. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm not getting into this. Yeah, no. um, anyway... Yeah, I I quite like this. Mm. I quite like this. Mm. It's three new songs, mm. which are, in general, I think the three new songs are pretty good. At some points, I felt like I was listening to Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I say that, and you go, yeah, 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 and you agree, um, which is yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. but I, I do agree. But I don't. I but I don't think they've got the same level of bombast ghost have oh they don't have the same hookiness and the same kind of um 
poppiness, let's say, but they have, they evoke the blue oyster cult slash ghost kind of, uh, thing thing days. Thing, yeah. thing yeah 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 um i i like them neither of them particularly stand out to me there's losing altitude spectre at the feast and pharos um I, I i i do like all three of them i don't love uh any of them but i but i think this is a sound that i prefer much much more to what he was doing on telemark which is a totally like these albums are meant to complement each other but they're meant to complement each other it's sort of in the way that um uh, Deliverance and Damnation by Opeth complement each other in that they complement each other in that they are totally different from one another, if that makes sense. Goodness right. Me. I made that more complicated than it needed to be. You did. Um, yeah, I mean, on, on the on the, on the the thing, it's got genre black metal. Yeah, which is uh, not On the, the article information. No, 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 no. It's got nothing to do with black no. metal in any way whatsoever. Telemark in any does. any way whatsoever. Telemark does, but this doesn't. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. All right uh no i really like those songs um the covers mm -hmm. you get two mm, covers two covers yeah roads by porter's head and um manhattan skyline by aha featuring aha! ina solberg of leprous yes uh uh featuring ina solberg of leprous mm. um two songs which i like very much both of them okay um i like um, roads. the originals i like the uh, i like roads by porter's head uh do you not like manhattan skyline by um Manhattan's? i mean i must have heard it at some point but it didn't sound familiar to me i didn't enjoy this version if i'm totally honest but but from what i heard of this cover i don't think i'd enjoy the original either if i'm totally honest Rembry in 80s cussing shocker <laughs> Uh, look, look, I'm, I, it's one of those ones where I'm not going to sit here and go, it's a bad song, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that. It's just, I don't think it's for me. Not my cuppa. Okay. So you like Rhodes then? Yeah, I like Rhodes. I think that's a cool cover. Uh, I think it's well done. Um, but I, 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 so I did struggle with Manhattan Skyline, I'll be honest. I really like the cover of Rhodes because um, I think I just like the idea of, it's like when Dillinger did Angel by Massive Attack. Yeah. Like they didn't really do anything with it. Very I mean, we were speaking. Yeah. We were speaking. I mean, in fact, quite a lot of their covers are, are pretty straight that they've mm. done actually around that time. Dillinger. Well, that entire plagiarism EP that they put out on iTunes, like all of the, they do, Wish by Nine Inch Nails and, and Angel by Massive Attack, as you say. Um, oh, fucking! What's the Justin Timberlake song that they do? Like I love you. Like I love you. They're all straight. They're all totally, yeah. totally straight. You know. Yeah. And we spoke actually. We spoke on the Depeche Mode special about between the buried and me covering little 15 and we yeah, were like yeah. what a shame that they didn't do something with it and you know dillinger you would think but angel's always the one that i'm like well just them playing that song yeah is yeah, cool yeah and i think just hearing ishan you know this black metal you know demigod covering porter's head yeah is really fucking cool that's exactly obviously, how i feel about it yeah yeah obviously fellow um scandinavians aha uh I still think is cool because they are a, a pop band. Mm -hmm. um, Manhattan Skyline is a wicked song, by the way. Okay. Aha themselves are, they're not, a, they're not a band who I think are like one of the best bands of that era. Like, you know, especially having, you know, we've just done five, about five hours on Depeche Mode in the last mm -hmm. week. And I don't think they ever really could claim to lay a glove consistently, even lay a glove on Depeche Mode or, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of those bands, but they have a really, really, I've got their greatest hits. I think their greatest hits is really good. This is on it. Um, I, I, I thought both the covers were, again, just hearing Ishan do 
those songs made me go, oh, wicked, great. I'm glad, mm. you know, that someone's doing... A bit, you know, like Pet Shop Boy, um, the Pet Shop Boys, it's a Sin cover that Ghost did. Again, it's not better than the original, but it's just like, oh, cool, someone's covering this. Great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on, on Telemark, he did um, Wrathchild. Uh you know, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Gallows <laughs> did that best. Well, it, certainly Gallows did it better than Sean did. Um, and I definitely enjoyed the covers on this more. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed this entire EP more. It's just far more a bit of me than the Telemark EP was. Um, but uh, yes, um, all of them are quite straight covers, really. All of them are pretty straight. Um, but yes, I do totally agree with you that certainly I think I prefer the Rhodes cover and even to a degree the Manhattan Skyline cover, even though it's not a song that I particularly like. But I prefer that just because it's it's more interesting hearing Ishan do those songs than it is hearing him do Rathchild, for example. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I actually was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. These first three songs. Yeah, it sounds a bit like Ghost and all. He's, you know, he's actually quite a good singer. And, mm. you know, these are quite decent, is, yeah. like rock songs. And then the two covers at the end came and I was like, oh, good. <laughs> but then I just like those. So this is all right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've got nothing else to say. No. No. Pharos by Ishan is out now. Although I tell you what, Emperor are good, aren't they? Oh, I like Emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that more, boy. Do that. If I mean, you're listening, Sean. There, there is Do some, some more of that. There is. There is. No one's ever suggested he do Emperor. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. That's sort of a... Hot take. Uh, yeah. yeah he'll, he might be listening to this and going, yeah, maybe I should resurrect Emperor. I've never thought about that. Um, no, there's some Emperor. There's some Ishan albums that I think are very, very interesting. Uh, AMR. Amr. Is that how you pronounce it? Was he one called... Um, oh, fuck. Uh, there was one that I really liked uh, a few years ago. I want to say Vertical, but it's absolutely not called Vertical. because that's That would be Cartaluna, mate. Um, um, but it's something like that. I've not listened to it for ages. Arctis. Arctis, yes. yes I like, I like Arctis as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I... Oh, I remember listening to Angle fucking years ago. A-N-G-L. And really liking it and then never never going back to it <laughs> yeah everyone like at the time i remember people going batty for that album mm, and mm, i mm. saw him live around that time and was like nah he's all right mm. i've not gone back to it either. again i think maybe like pineapple thief i mean we're saying this slightly differently but i think ishan is an is an artist that i've always wanted to go in on far 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 more than i have done um and uh it's just time, really. But I don't feel like these EPs are the best way for me to go in on him. I should I should re-listen to Arctis. I should re-listen to uh, an angle. Um, I hear good things about Eremita as well. Eremita, Eremita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently yeah. that's great as well. You know, um, but, you know, I confess, hands, hands held high, I have not really properly gone in on Ishan and I probably should do. No. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Ishan is good. Van Halen are good. 
In theory. In theory. In theory. Broken records. Let's end with broken records. Um, This week, we're doing Van Halen 3, released on the 17th of March, 1998. The 11th album by the Californian glam metal originators and the only album to feature the vocal talents of former extreme frontman Gary Sharon. It's also the last Van Halen album to feature the original bassist, Michael Anthony. Um, Gary, Gary, uh, Gary Sharona. I mean, no, no, doesn't work. No. Sorry, going to veto it. that straight I was, just try- away. I was just trying it. I'm not yeah, going to cut too it. Too much. But I, I was no, 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 don't cut it. Let everyone know how disastrous you are. <laughs> um, Fine. <laughs> Renfrey, you know some things about me. And one of the things about me that well, you that know. sounds ominous. It does. <laughs> but, well, it is. It is a bit. Is I love, I love Van Halen. I think they're fucking great Mm. um we slag off a load of stuff from that scene from that era um uh, the stuff that van halen basically spawned and invented Mm. that whole kind of cock rock glam metal sunset strip bullshit Mm -hmm. and i think you can always the reason why i slag off so much of that stuff is because i think you can look at van halen and go that is why that band suck because look at what van halen can do Look how good Van Halen can do. Either do do that or fuck off. I don't care how many fucking tights you wear. I don't care how much many cans of hairspray there are in your hair. If you can't match Van Halen, you can fuck right off. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts uh, on that opening statement? Crikey. Um, I can't argue with it. I mean, uh, we have had a discussion about Van Halen before. And it didn't go very well, as far as I recall. <laughs> I think this one will go a bit better. <laughs> I think way. this one will go better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were discussing 1984, weren't we? If I recall. Which, um, yes, we were. Yes. Which, um, you know, is a is a classic. Apparently, uh, mm. I no, no, apparently <laughs> I didn't get on with it particularly because the 80s, um, but. That's a good reason. (laughs) Yeah, it fucking is. Um, (laughs) But but can I sit here and go, oh, Van Halen, they were shit. Of course I can't. Of course I can't. Uh, Van Halen was pretty fucking good. Quite a good guitarist, to say the least. I'm being facetious right now. Of course, they were fucking amazing. And yes, I do agree with everything you said. Whilst they're not my cup of tea, I get a bit like Queen, I guess. One of those ones Mm. where I go, look, Van Halen aren't my cup of tea, but objectively... They were a great band and I have to I have to hold my hands up to that. So, yes, there mm. we go. Like all the stuff that I hate from glam rock, I suppose Van Halen kind of helped popularise and invented. But there's just something about Van Halen. I think a lot of it is, you know, that guitar playing. It's the fact that they they, they are a bit heavier as well. Mm. Um, Jumps and when they though, go, isn't it? No, mm. no, not at all. It's mm. a great song. Mm. No. Mm. Gash. It's not though. It's mm. really not. I don't think it is. Let's not get back into this. Just, no, jumps. <laughs> brilliant. Mm. Um, and the final uh, countdown you know, for pussies. Oh, fuck off! Is it? Is I'm just, it I'm just trying to annoy you now. Um, but anyway, like you know, they fell out spectacularly. One of the biggest ever. Um, most acrimonious mm. departures was David Lee Roth leaving yeah. Van Halen and being replaced by Sammy Hagar. Now, I don't like the Sammy Hagar material as much. Okay. 
as I do the David Lee Roth material personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but commercially speaking, um, you know, they were just as popular with Sammy Hagar in the band as they were with David Lee Roth in the band, mm. you know, um, and fair play to them. It's very difficult when you're a band of that size and that, you know, stature, as we've already discussed with people kind of having to collaborate and, you know, blah, blah, blah. When you see the figurehead of that band leave, it is very rare that a band not just managed to get by, but actually survive and thrive. And Van Halen did do that. But when this album comes out in 1998, Van Halen are once again, a bit of a mess. Um, in 1996, um, after 10 years in the band, it's sort of a similar amount of time, funnily enough, from David Lee Roth being in the band and leaving to Sammy Hagar joining and then leaving. It's okay. a very, very similar amount of period of time mm-hmm. that both of those men lasted in their first stints in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy Hagar had suggested that Eddie Van Halen should go in and have the hip surgery that he desperately needed, which is very rock and roll, obviously hip (laughs) surgery and drummer, Alex Van Halen. um, He should go away and tend to the vertebrae injury that he had, which meant that he was having to wear a neck brace on tour uh, whilst they're out on tour. Yes. So not good. Um, The, uh, the brothers Van Halen blew up and insisted that the band should go into the studio and record a new song, a song for the soundtrack to the film Twister. Do you remember that film? Oh, yes. Uh, directed yeah. by Jan de Bont, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, not a great film. Not a great film. Not a no. great film. And um, it was said that they should go in and record this song because Eddie had said they, and I quote here, needed the money, which Sammy Hagar thought was completely an absurd stupid thing to say um at the time he had a three-month-old baby that he wanted to spend time with he didn't want to go in the studio he could see that these two guys were suffering and he thought it just felt like the right thing to do you are one of the biggest bands the last 20 years i can't imagine a world in which van halen really needed the money from the twister soundtrack no it is an odd thing to say isn't it but then eddie van halen does say odd things from time to time which we will probably get into a little bit later (laughs) yeah we certainly will um uh so um eddie van halen apparently complained to sammy hagar that you never do the things that i ask of you right and and so sammy hagar on father's day 1996 left van halen leaving van halen searching for their third singer um very soon after that happened, uh, Eddie Van Halen was called by David Lee Roth, the aforementioned original frontman of the band, uh, to discuss what songs would be on an upcoming Van Halen greatest hit set. And the two found themselves agreeing to reunite to play as the original Van Halen lineup at the MTV Awards in 1996. First time they played together in 11 years. Um uh, Eddie Van Halen felt embarrassed at the event after the band played. Um, David Lee Roth was uh, hot dogging behind Beck when Beck won an award, um, and uh, and uh, Van Halen presented him with this award at the MTV Awards. Um, David Lee Roth was kind of mugging and hot dogging behind um, Beck while he was doing his speech, which Eddie thought was very very disrespectful. I, I, um, I've never heard the term hot dogging. You do just mean mugging a, him off, do you? Yeah, it's a wrestling term. Okay. It sort of means okay. like That's you know being a flash prick. Okay. Um, um, so. Uh, after that happened, a sort of full-scale reunion was expected, but was ruled out almost immediately. Um, and David Lee Roth complained that he had been 
duped into partaking uh, unbeknownst to him in a publicity stunt to sell the greatest hits album uh the rest of the band released a statement that they said they had never promised david lee roth a full-time return to the band and um eddie in later on interviews brought up all the negatives that roth kept bringing up such as saying to him you know apparently being interviewed backstage at the mtv awards um they were asked about their future plans and david lee roth said well eddie's got to go and have his hip replacement surgery before we tour so it's going to be a while before we we tour and that comment nearly brought the two men to blows after the interview like because eddie was just so furious that he would bring up negative things like him needing a hip operation so is that a a negative thing or is that just life well you know i mean i know it's not very rock and roll i know it's not very does he think that's embarrassing or whatever who knows i mean yeah so um The net result of all this means that Van Halen are now searching for another singer. And they decided, as we've mentioned, on Gary Sharon of Extreme. Uh, Extreme was Gary, defunct at this Gary, point. Gary Sharon? No, no, still not? No, okay. That, I mean, you, you're you not even singing it in the right tune. I know. I, <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I am trying to be that's, that's Umbrella. That's Umbrella by Rihanna. <laughs> so you're singing Gary Sharon. But call him Gary Sharona, <laughs> sung to the tune of Umbrella, trying to uh, like evoke my Sharona. What it's can a, I say? A, I'm multi-talented. It's a disaster. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a complete disaster, Renfrey. Just All right. admit it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway. Right, I won't say um, it again. Or maybe I will. Yes. Uh, Extreme Thanks. were defunct at this point. You might remember Extreme being one of the funk metal bands of the early late 80s early 90s get the funk out more than words more than words being the big hit Mm. um you know them living color faith the more red hot chili peppers all that kind of thing primus they were part of all that Mm -hmm. um so in he comes the kind of initial uh chat was that um you know eddie van halen was calling gary sharon the band's soulmate and saying you know that he was he was fiddling on the guitar and as soon as he was playing this stuff on the guitar whilst they were chatting in the room together, Gary Sharon started like making lyrics up on the spot and they were like, oh my God, this is incredible. Oh, and they said, you know, the chemistry is unlike anything that we've ever had in the band before ever. So um, <laughs> hopes were high mm. in, the Van, in the Van Halen camp. Oh um, they brought in producer Mike Post, who has worked with the likes of Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, but is most famous for writing the theme for... Quantum Leap, Hill Street Blues, Law and Order, Doogie Howser MD, and most fame amongst others, but most famously of all, oh, there's a the cover 18. that Ishan should have done. The A Team yeah, theme. That yes, he did the. He created the theme from the A Team. Fair uh, fucks. Fair and fucks, loads mate. of other things. So, yeah. Fair fucks, you've written loads and loads and loads and loads of TV themes. Yeah. And you've worked with Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. Yeah. But you've never worked with a rock band ever. Mm. So, a bit weird, isn't it? Mm. Is this a good that time a weird to choice? do the Gary Sharona thing again? Or is that no, no, don't do is that, that weird? It's not going to work. It's not like Law of Three, the third time I go... Oh, Gary, Sh- my Sharona, Gary Sharon. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, sung to the um, tune of Umbrella by Rihanna. <laughs> um, no, yes. Um, what a um, 
what an interesting and bizarre choice um to say the least um and not, not not saying he's not a talented man talented guy if you've worked mm. with dolly parton then fuck me you know you're talented i don't care what anyone says um but no it doesn't sound like the right man for the job to be totally honest he also according to reports bailed halfway through the recording of the record oh. which is not actually confirmed officially by anyone but that is okay on the root the rumor mill that i've heard okay. um is also amongst other things is known for its lack of michael anthony who as i mentioned left the band after this uh, he only played on three tracks on the record michael anthony a very very important part of van halen obviously having been in the band as their basis for for many many years but also his backing vocals and his kind of harmonies that he used a bit like roger taylor in queen i think with michael anthony he mm-hmm. actually is a very important part to making those uh, vocal parts soar okay. um so eddie actually played most of the bass pa- bass parts as well as doing backing vocals guitar keyboards and even some lead vocals himself which we'll get into a little bit um now before we get into the records how it was reviewed there may be some massive van halen fans listening here who are like you've picked this record right and it's kind of unfair because in a Britpop, new metal and skate punk obsessed world where could van halen 3.0 fit in i mean nowhere i mean could anyone really have expected a band from the 70s to have been popular in 1998 we're just being silly we're looking at that record from 1998 and going oh it sounds like an old hard rock band no one like that they just like corn and manson and the foo fighters and radiohead and stuff like that that's ridiculous that's a ridiculous thing it certainly does feel like that this music was very 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 uncool in 1998 Mm. i think it's fair to say yeah and we're just ragging on van halen because this wasn't popular anymore right well Hmm. well well the case for the defense i don't want to miss a thing by aerosmith came out that year Mm. aerosmith played wembley stadium right Mm. arguably their biggest song came out in 1998 at the height of new metal and Britpop and all that stuff. So I think it is. I think it is their biggest song commercially. I believe that is the case. Yeah, pretty sure it is. So it's not impossible. Kiss was still riding high on the back of their 1996 reunion, and even a slightly newer band like Metallica released Garage Inc that year and were getting a lot of airplay by releasing singles that were covers of Bob Seger and Thin Lizzy. I know it's not really Thin Lizzy. I know. But the idea that it absolutely was impossible Mm. as one of these classic rock bands to be popular, I'm just going to put it out there now. If you think this is just like, hey, it was the wrong band with the right album at the wrong time, that's not why this record's here. Mm, It could have been been done. Um, It was very, let's acknowledge it was very difficult at this time, but it was possible. Yeah, it was very difficult, but you know, a, a lot of their peers are doing fucking good business um rolling stone gave it two out of five saying sharon sounds disconcertingly like hagar full of spleen busting bluster and incapable of understatement though van halen 3 is conspicuously lacking in the frat boy tom droolery that so enamored roth and hagar to fans it still contains its share of baying at the moon um all music gave it the same score saying it suffers from the same problems as van as hagar era van halen 
limp riffs, weak melodies, and plodding colorless rhythms. Billboard magazine called it a wasted opportunity to breathe life into a now tired formula. Um, Sputnik Music has given it a 2.5 out of 5, saying this probably could have been considered a classic, at least in my eyes, if the various smudges, such as Gary's vocals, were cleaned up. They were easily fixable and really make the listening experience more tiring than it needs to be. Still, it's definitely worth several listens. It will grow on you. But until a remastered instrumental version is released, oh, please no. Uh, Van Halen 3 is not getting any higher than a 2.5 for me. That is a very generous review, I have to say. Very generous. Um, and also, I, well, uh, we'll get into it, but it sounds like his uh, uh, criticism is uh, mislaid, I would say. I, I, I would say so, yeah. yeah cool. um, the Chicago Tribune gave it two out of five, saying, with longtime rhythm section Alex Van Halen and Michael Anthony still stuck between slog and stomp, setting on the rhythm gauge, the new Van Halen remains a dinosaur mired in an arena rock tar pit. And uh, the Van Halen Buyer's Guide in Classic Rock magazine um, gave three the title uh, and the tag of a void sort of ranking all their albums mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. Gary Sharon was the no mark who sang in extreme wearing a leotard it was a disastrous mi- mismatch producing just one album that sold only 500,000 copies when every other Van Halen sh- album had shifted at least 2 million the reason Van Halen 3 stinks like a wet dog every song sucks and Sharon sang them like a drowning man <laughs> uh, still it sold 191,000 copies on the week of its release, went in at number four on the US Billboard Top 200, and it's gone platinum in Japan, obviously. Huh. Um, but is it any good, Renfrey? Hmm. Uh, obviously, it's not. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Van Halen 3? Uh, it's long. Fucking long, isn't it? Um, apparently, uh, you know, I'm not a Van Halen expert, um, but apparently, it is Van Halen's longest album. Uh, I don't know if you can Just, confirm that. I, I I can't confirm it, but I know it to be true. Yes, right. It's 64 minutes long. It's too fucking long. Um, I would say that pretty much every single song on this album is too long. Uh, every song could have done with a trim of at least a minute. I reckon. Um, but actually that would have made the record 53 minutes, which is still too long. Um, but it would have been a good start at the very least to trim every yeah. single song by at least a minute. Um, that well, to, been... to put this into perspective, 1984 is 33 minutes and 22 seconds long. Yeah. And Van Halen's classic de- self-titled debut album is 35 minutes and 34 seconds. This is pretty much double the length of both of them yeah and uh yeah and boy does it feel (laughs) does it it feel like yeah 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 yeah. um personally though i thought it started uh okay i thought it started quite well personally i yeah i was gonna say i mean compared to this absolute hell that we have been mired in the the Mm, fucking mm, mm. aqueduct of shit that we have been wading through in the last few weeks on this this feature um this is definitely not a disaster by those comparisons no no since doing this feature i've mentioned it a few times but since doing this feature in particular my kind of the goalposts for what is a, a, a genuinely bad record have moved quite significantly now mm. um i 
overall, I do think this is a bad record, but I don't think it's a disastrous record. And I think there's even an argument to say that it's probably not even a broken record. It's just a bad, it's just not very good. It's just a not very good record from a band who are massively well-respected and, and generally, you know, much, much, much better than this. Um, as I said, every single song is too long, but I do think it starts relatively well. I do like, I mean, the first track, it's not really a first song proper. There's two instrumentals on here, and the first track, uh, Knee World, is not what I expected to hear from Van Halen at all. I have to admit, it's a sort of country-tinged acoustic guitar slash piano piece. But, you know, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite nice, personally. Mm -hmm. Didn't mind it at all. Um, the first single, Without You, is the next song, and I think it's all right nothing to write home about um but it's not i mean i mean it's <sighs> i actually see without you i look at it and i go this is one of the main problems it's six and a half minutes i was long. i was about to say it's not a travesty but it outstays its welcome six and a half minutes fucking hell you know again trim at least a minute off of it yeah trim two minutes uh, off of it I think quite a lot of it. I mean, it is my kind of... But I don't think the, it's a disaster, that song. No, I mean, I actually think the chorus on it is quite good. Yeah, but I think, I, I mean, again, the problem with this, and I think one of the reasons why this doesn't work, is you've got Gary Sharon hired as the front man, and he's just happy to fucking be there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's just delighted that he's in Van Halen. And all that talk of the relationship between the Van Halens and Sharon that was, you know, look how great they are. We found our soulmate. I mean, I listened to this record and I listened back to the, like, particularly the Roth stuff, you know, don't bore us, get to the chorus, you know, yeah. that kind of flamboyant yeah. stuff. And I think, and also you think how much Van Halen changed when Sammy Hagar came along. I mean, Van Halen got longer and a little bit more meandering when Sammy Hagar came in. Okay. But it's it's a different sound and they feel like a different band. And you start to go, are the vocalists like helping to kind of like, I think the vocalists probably played quite a large part in crafting how Van Halen would have sounded because they do sound really different between those two people. And then you get this album coming along and it's just endless like Whittle Bridge chorus pre-chorus some weird tempo change like that first song it's flabby as, as i hell, said isn't it it's so flabby has got you just imagine david lee roth getting without you and going cut that yeah cut, we do yeah. not need that yeah. we do not need that yeah. we do not need that fucking give us just a straight ahead rock banger and it's a good chorus there's yeah. a good there's a good chorus in that song and i just think when Eddie Van Halen says, wasn't it great to collaborate with someone who, you know, really listens to me and blah, blah, blah. What he means with that, and in, with respect to Gary Sharon, is isn't it nice to have a yes man who will just go, oh, well done, Eddie. Yeah, everything you say is brilliant. Well, quite possibly. Um, yes, that, that may be a very astute point. It was interesting. There's a um, There was a sort of roundtable feature um, that was dissecting this album and trying to figure out what went wrong with it on Ultimate Classic Rock. Um, mm. And I felt like I was going to sort of um, read a few bits and pieces from that because, you know, I mean, any writer writing for a website called Ultimate Classic Rock is going to know more about Van Halen than I do personally. Yeah. Um, but one of the writers there, Michael Christopher, said, and I was just curious to know what you thought of this. Uh, he says, it certainly wasn't Gary Sharon's fault. He could have been Freddie Mercury, Mercury reincarnated and it would have been a letdown because he wasn't David Lee Roth. Do you think there's an element of that? Um. Possibly, but then I also think it sounds to me like these songs have... I, I mean, again, the collaborative thing with 
Gary Sharon. If you listen to Extreme mm. and you listen to Van Halen 3, mm. Mm. Gary Sharon sounds like he's doing a kind of bad impression of Sammy Hagar. Mm. These songs sound to me like they have been written for Sammy Hagar. They don't feel like a collaborative thing at all. They feel like they've been written for someone else. Well, that, that th- that's been theorised, hasn't it? Quite a bit yeah. from, from the yeah. notes that I've read about this record. Uh, yes, uh, I, can, I can't really comment on that myself because I'm not au fait with the Sammy Hagar era of Van Halen at all, but um, I will go with you. But he that. just, I mean, Gary Sharon, like I say, if you look, well, I mean, you've heard more than words, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what Gary Sharon yeah, 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 sounds yeah, yeah. like. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. good, he's a good vocalist. He's a great vocalist. Get the funk yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's yeah. a good singer. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's a bad singer. No, on this not record, at all. No. But he certainly... It doesn't sound himself. He doesn't sound like Gary Sharon. No. And... And that's why I think, well, these songs weren't written in collaboration as much as Eddie Van Halen will tell you that they are mm. or like mm. thinks that they are. Uh, I mean, Gary Sharon probably, you know, having had a few years in the wilderness doing nothing after the success of Extreme, mm. I think he's come in here and he just is, does not want to rock the boat. And he's just unfortunately, happy to be there, as you say. And unfortunately, yeah. somebody needed to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And they needed, like, Sammy Hagar was successful bef- with Montrose and as a solo artist before he joined Van Halen. Mm. He was an established vocalist mm. who had a career. He didn't need to join Van Halen, mm. right? They got big whilst they were big with David Lee Roth. They grew to become stars together, mm. right? So David mm. Lee Roth can go up to, you know, Eddie and Alex Van Halen and go, no, I'm not doing that. Mm. And they don't like it. And obviously, Hagar did the same thing in 1996 with Eddie and Alex. Look, let's do this. No, you're not doing what I tell you to do. Mm. So in comes Gary Sharon. We're going to do that. Okay, great. Yeah, whatever you say. Mm. Oh, we're so good at collaborating. Bullshit. You're not good at collaborating at all. Mm. You're not good at collaborating. You're doing what you want to do. And you haven't got someone who's strong-willed enough to go, I don't really sound... I don't normally sing in this key. I don't normally sing in this register. Do we really need 15 pre-choruses in the fucking single, the first song on the bloody album? Do I need three different solos on this? No, absolutely not. Do we need some weird change of pace towards the end of the... like? You don't. You don't need any of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think. It's I mean. In, I, yeah. I, no. I. I. I think. I mean. Yes. I'll, I'll bow down to your superior knowledge on that. But yes, it, it. It. It does sound. That totally makes sense. That. That theory to me. That totally makes sense. And is probably a massive part of the reason why this record is so bloated and excessive and just. Um, often quite dull to be honest despite having snatches of brilliance brilliant <laughs> despite having snatches of quite good s- s- <laughs> on yeah. it um you know but the other thing i was going to say which i thought was um maybe interesting i wanted to get your input on um you just said that gary sharona doesn't sound like gary gary sharona i'm doing it i didn't mean to do that on purpose gary sharona no, sure. <laughs> you said that gary sharona doesn't sound like um uh gary sharona gary sharona um Eddie Van Halen doesn't sound like Eddie Van Halen either, I don't think, really. No. Um, he's he, like, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, he sounds like a bad guitarist on this record because, you know, that's fucking nonsense. Um, but he doesn't sound super inspired. And I would say that on a lot of it, I would say on most of it, he sounds like a another guitarist, like a good mm. one, a competent one. But not Eddie fucking Van Halen. 
No, there's 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 a real lack of character yes. o- across this entire record. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. That is, you know, I mean, I really think you could play this to someone. If you've never heard it before, but you're familiar with Van Halen, you probably would eventually, because of the type of music it is, you probably would. This is a really big rock band. If you just said that and played it to someone... I don't think you'd immediately go, oh, it's Van Halen straight away. It'd take like, there are... ages to get to Van Halen and I would go through loads of other bands first. I'd get, yeah. I, I, yes, I think, I think I'd get there eventually if you put the whole record on and I'd, I'd beg you to stop because um, I don't want to re-listen <laughs> to the whole fucking thing. But, um, but it would take me fucking ages to get to Van Halen. Yeah, it'd take yeah. me ages. I mean, I think I, I agree with you. This album is bad. Mm. It's not terrible. No. But it's bad. And like I say, when you consider some of the stuff that we've done recently, it's oh. just very uninspired. Yeah. It's yeah. very boring. It's, you know, obviously it's too long. It's flabby as fuck. It, and it kind of weirdly, like the weirdest thing about it is it feels like it's completely been made by committee, which is ironic considering I think Eddie Van Halen just wrote. I mean, it's been called a sort of Eddie Van Halen solo record as oh. close to in some, some parts something else i was going to ask you actually um in that ultimate classic rock uh, roundtable feature that i read um there are suggestions that this record could have been saved if it had been released as an eddie van halen solo record with his friend gary sharon on vocals um wh- how do you feel about that well I, I don't think that would save it mm, mm. i was wondering no. if i was wondering if that was because when I read that, I mean that's like going. I mean that's like going. <laughs> if you saw a, a man, like, on fire, and you went, "No, that man's on fire," and they went, "Call him a squirrel." <laughs> oh no, oh he's all right now. Now he's just all right for a squirrel to do it. Like he's just still on fire. <laughs> that bizarre metaphor, but I'll go. With that it. was a bizarre metaphor. <laughs> I'll go. What with I'm it. saying is, is whatever you called this, it is a boring, long, bloated yeah. album. Yeah. I think when you say save it. Um, yes, it wouldn't have been part of the Van Halen canon. Yeah. And yeah. so it would have been very, very quickly forgotten about. And the likelihood of us talking about it now would have diminished, diminished massively. Well, I was wondering, because for example, like, you know, I I, um, I haven't had loads of opportunity to, to do it on um, Riot Act as of yet, but um, I actually think that Chinese Democracy, for example, is actually an album with some very, 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 very good moments on it and um, and was critically panned far more than it should have been overall. Um, and if it had been released as an Axl Rose solo record, I don't think it would have been panned anywhere near as much as it was. So I was wondering, I mean, I, I think Chinese Democracy is 10 times better than this album, personally. Yeah, I, I, the Chinese Democracy is comfortably better. Than comfortably this. better, yeah. Chinese Democracy has its, you know, is bloated and 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 needs a few ideas trims and blah blah blah. Yeah. But but you know, compared to this, it's Chinese Democracy is a fucking masterpiece in my opinion. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, me too. I I agree. I mean, I just think, um, you know, as I said, um, it really, yeah. I mean, if it had been an Eddie Van Halen solo record, I mean, I think that maybe there'd be more opportunity for Eddie Van Halen to do what he does on the album's absolute lowest point, which is the closing track, How Many Say I, which is a disgraceful, terrible ballad with absolutely no redeeming qualities to it whatsoever. Lines like, if you look down at, as a homeless man walks by, or if you've ever changed a channel when you've seen a starving child, just 
make me want to punch him in the face and smash <laughs> up all of his guitars. Do not guilt trip me, Eddie Van Halen. After you've made me listen to an hour of your boring music to then guilt trip me at the end of it. Fuck off. Oh, yeah. Um, How bad is that song? Oh, goodness me. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it features lead vocals from Eddie himself. Uh, it's sort of an acoustic piano ballad um, with Sharon doing backing vocals, which strangely... I, I mean, I can't believe that it kind of got onto the presses and onto the vinyl and CD because, oh, well, if it came out on vinyl because it's 1998, it might not have. But uh, I mean, some of the some of the backing notes that Sharon is doing, a vocalist who can clearly sing, are off key, are off key against uh, against Eddie's vocals. It's it's bizarre. It's like how. How did that get a pass? I'm completely confused. Uh, yes, the lyrics are terrible. Um, Eddie's defense of the uh, song seems really odd as well. Um, he said, oh, what did he say about it? Uh, he said, Eddie declared he was forced into singing and added harmonies so he would not perform alone. Uh, is Eddie Van Halen ever really forced into making a creative decision. It's Eddie Van Halen, isn't it? Well, I mean, we'll probably talk about their record label in the aftermath of okay. this. But certainly, like, I can't understand why or who would have forced him to do... No. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you asked me how bad is this song. We have this running joke on the show that I can play Eruption on an acoustic guitar. Now, I hate to break the illusion, Steve, but I can't. I've got, but I do have my acoustic guitar right here. And if I picked it up and just attempted to play Eruption on acoustic with no practice whatsoever for six minutes, it would probably make for a more pleasing six minutes than this song. It's absolutely horrific song. <laughs> horrific. <laughs> Horrendous. But, but you, do agree, you do agree with musically, me. Musically, yes, agree I do. It would be better. Yeah. Oh, brilliant uh, yeah I'm, oh, I'm, yeah I'm just gonna get yeah. my guitar hold on yeah oh, God. i'm not really i'm not really no, no, don't. <laughs> um i mean yeah it's there's you know there's a song called year to the day which is eight minutes and 34 seconds fucking hell uh, feels, which is feels so like eight years eight and years, 35 days like, <laughs> yeah. uh, fucking hell. hell like it's unbelievable how long and bloated and boring and nothing yeah. so much of that is yeah. um it's amazing how you can extend boring and bloated and nothing into eight minutes and 35 seconds it's amazing it really how is. it's it's, it's uh, i mean in that from that perspective i admire it but yeah boring 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 uh fire in the hole was in um was on lethal weapon four Actually, oh. in Lethal Weapon 4. Have you seen, when's the last time you watched Lethal Weapon 4? Um, shortly after it came out, I thought it was dog shit then, and I think it's dog shit now. Um, There's a bit where this sort of super, this guy dressed up in the suit is like flamethrowing, and they drive past him, and then he pl presses play on his Walkman, and fire in the hole comes out. And it's like, I don't know who you are, mate, but you've got really bad taste in music <laughs> <laughs> like, that you're carrying van halen three around on your fucking tape recorder yeah, with you. yeah. um awful really film, really lethal weapon awful four. film yeah. uh and yeah it's really bad um worse than die hard 4.0 and that's saying quite a lot cool yeah that's bad as well mm, jesus mm, yeah mm. um by the way you asked about why it's called van halen three yes well van halen one Mm. is their first album yes. which features david lee roth on yes. vocals yes van halen 2 is their second album which also features 
David Lee Roth on vocals. And then their first album with Sammy Hagar is called 5150. So I hope that clears it up. (laughs) I read somewhere that one of the reasons it was called three is because it was the third third lineup of Van Halen. But but they've already done Van Halen 2 with... They never did Van Halen 2 with the second lineup. I'm not I'm, I'm not claiming that that clears it up. I'm just saying that's the reason I read and I went, okay, I'll write that in my notes. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. No, doesn't make any um, sense. Um so anyway, uh it's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad, but do you know what? It's not it's it's it is pretty bad. It's not terrible though. It's just flabby and bloated and mm. You know, I think it did come out a time when it was highly unfashionable, and it need and it needed a, to be a lot better than this, to, to, especially yeah. coming out of that time for anyone to give a flying fuck. I think it's fair it's, to say it, it's that. It's the fact that it, you know it doesn't work. It's the fact that it's the only album with Gary Sharon. It's the fact that it sort of really marks the kind of the the death of Van Halen as a proper touring band. I mean, in the aftermath. They toured it. Um, they went back into the studio to record a new album. And there are song titles, apparently, oh. which uh, are out about the new record. Uh, but instead, a statement came out came out um, announcing Sharon's departure from the band in 1999. They stated musical differences that were given. Someone's banging on my door really hard. I think it might be my failure box set. <gasps> so you go get imagine that. that if I... You go get that. It's not my failure box set. It's some fucking thing from ASOS from my girlfriend. So wicked. Um, oh, you're in a bad anyway. mood now, aren't you? You're going to be a yeah, bad mood all day. Smash that door. That <laughs> like, to deliver, like you could have put that through the letterbox. It's a fucking t-shirt, you moron. Anyway, um, I hope he listens. No, I'll kick your door down, fucking dickhead. Um, <laughs> Like, am i keep am i keeping this in it's up to you i don't know <laughs> where were we uh steve um, steve has a big problem with the royal mail <laughs> i don't know why he did that it was yeah, very it was very loud it was very loud it. yeah i've got a knocker yeah. on the door oh really right. it's a t-shirt as well we could have fucking put that to the letterbox that's okay well Unbelievable. Look, we're not going to get sponsorship from the royal mail now are we steve for fuck's sake don't want it <laughs> I want free stamps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, they gave the musical differences were the reason given at the time yeah. for uh, Gary Sharon leaving the band. But again, in subsequent interviews, Eddie Van Halen has admitted that record company pressure due to the failure of three mm. led to Sharon being pushed out of the band. But uh. um, unlike their previous singers, there was nothing but good feelings and admiration between the two parties. Oh, and they nice. all get on lovely. Lovely. Um, and then we didn't really see Van Halen for sort of six years. Uh, even though... Was it just six? Um, I thought it was it, way longer than that, wasn't it? No, no, no. Ah. It was only because... So, You're the expert, um, mate. Sorry. Yeah. Well, they did kind of... I mean, I say that. They kind of got back together in 2003 with Hagar. David ah. Coverdale... Of Whitesnake was rumoured to be joining. Imagine that. Mm. That never happened. Mm. Um, 
would have been interesting. Hagar rejoined them uh, and then left a year later. In 2005, they released yet another Greatest Hit set. Um, the two new songs on that Greatest Hit set, by the way, that came out in 2005 are frustratingly fucking brilliant. Oh, really? Wicked. They're as good as anything Van Halen did with Sammy Hagar. Like, absolutely wicked songs. Oh. The two ones they recorded in the studio for that. Fucking great. Do you remember the name? And they that? really sound like Van Do you know what? Um, thank you for asking me that when you know full well that I don't. Um, <laughs> I, di- I didn't. I was genuinely asking and I thought it would be good for people to be able to look them up easier. One of them's called it's, it's About Time. One of them's called It's About Time um, or something like that. Hold on here. Best it, of Both Worlds, that's what it's called. Uh, it is... One of them is called... Yeah, It's About Time. It's About right. Time and it looks like it looks like it's either up for breakfast or learning to see yeah that's it that's it up, up for, for breakfast, breakfast. Okay. uh learning to see learning to see is good there okay. are two sorry there were three then there were three um episodes, yeah. yeah okay good uh plenty of cuts to be made this week cheers <laughs> and um <laughs> uh but frustratingly again things broke down once again once again david lee roth came back out a year later and since then van halen have basically been in and out of the news either because they're going to do something or they're not going to do something or they've fallen out or David Lee Ross leaving the band or he's back in the band or yada, 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 yada. They released the dreadful A Different Kind of Truth album in 2012. And it's sort of hard not to look at Van Halen today, the Van Halen of post three, and think that rather than David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar being the problem, it was actually the Van Halen brothers mm. who were the kind of egomaniacal ones all along. What a shame. Obviously, uh, I'm not an expert, but you just said um, a different kind of truth was dreadful. My recollection is is, is it was reviewed quite well. So you uh, is, is is that right? Or or do you just disagree with the reviews? What's what's the deal that d- deal there? Are you saying that the reviews might have just given the comeback album from one of the biggest hard rock bands in history a really good mark just because... <laughs> No, Surely yeah. you're not insinuating that, are you? <laughs> I'm just asking, Steve, because I don't know this stuff. <laughs> Surely you can't be insinuating that that magazines would just give a really good review to a band because their mass their classic lineup had reformed. Surely you can't be thinking that for a second. I, would, I wouldn't dare dream of even suggesting it. It was fucking shit. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea what the fucking um, Guardian gave it four said. out of five. Rolling Stone three Did and it? a half. Spin seven the out of ten. Guardian. USA Today. Oh, USA Today three and a half out of four. That's a bit of a weird one. Um, what? Boston Herald A minus. AV Club B. Uh, yeah, it's it's mi- it's mixed. But uh, Entertainment Weekly A minus. It is mixed, but but it it definitely A minus. Uh, it has a uh, on Metacritic. It received a score of seventy three, based on twenty one reviews. Seventy three is not a bad score. I'm not indica- I am not suggesting that it is indeed a great album. I'm just I'm just presenting this information to you. Trust me, it is a piece of crap. That okay, record. okay, an absolute piece of crap. But where does three go in our list then, Renfrey? Shall I do a little rundown? It's been a couple of weeks since I've done a rundown of what we've got. It's going to take a while. Um, Yes, go on then. Well, okay. So we've got Bob Dylan at the very, very top or bottom of the list in sort of descending order. Bob Dylan's self-portrait, Lou Reed and Metallica, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, Liz Fair's self-titled album, Lauren Hill Unplugged, D.D. King standing in the spotlight, William Shatner's Transform Man, Black and White Rainbows by Bush, Mick Jagger's 
primitive cool limp biscuit results may vary streets and sky by the enemy one by dirty vegas self-titled razor light viva brothers famous first words the truth is by theory of the dead man louis XIV, slick dogs and ponies queen and paul rogers cosmos rocks the united nations of sound by richard ashcroft the self-titled eogan quig album graveyard classics volume two by six feet under towers of london's blood sweat and towers Corey feldman's angelic to the core blood on the dance floors bad blood methods of mayhem self-titled uncle crackers double wide and at number one forever let's hope broken side i'm not a fan but the kids like it considering that there are 26 records on that you did that very quickly that was a very good chart rundown well done cheers that that um, sounded patronizing but i did actually mean it sincerely Um, (laughs) i did mean it sincerely um i think uh, i'm just gonna say i think this should go between mick jagger's primitive call and bush's black and white rainbows that's where i think which is uh which be would be position 19 out of the 27 albums it would be yeah it's kind of nothing so i'm i'm happy with that i do think you're right as well it's um yeah it's not it's not offensive it's um it's it's got it's got moments which are which are you know quite good um it's boring as fuck and it's bloated and it's blare and the songs most of the songs aren't very good but there are there's probably 15 minutes of good music on it 20 minutes of good music maybe I mean, it is 63 mm. minutes, 64 minutes, whatever it is. So, you know, too fucking long. But too long, baby. Too long, baby. Um, but, you know, it's... Um, and there's one or two embarrassing moments as we discussed the last song. But, you know, I mean, yeah, like you said already, compared to some of the stuff that we've talked about, talk, talk and talked about recently, fuck me. Hello, there's right. there's a there's a face painted onto Stephen Hill right now as he's picked a... Uh, picked something else out of a hat full of shit Hmm. this should be interesting okay a band that you uh, we've already spoken about recently at Uh, length uh pink floyd i'm a gummer i'm a gummer is next week's um so there you go sid barrett era right isn't it no is it not okay my bad um Okay, there you go. Trust me to not know anything about Pink Floyd. I'm a fucking expert when it comes to Pink Floyd. Fucking hell. (laughs) That tiny band Um, who play like ULU sort of size of venues. (laughs) Yeah, fair play to Muse for giving them a leg up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. If you're a new listener, you're not going to understand any of this at all. But basically, I am fucking ignorant when it comes to Pink Floyd. (laughs) Let's just say that. It really is. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we'll be doing that next week as well as... Pray silence, everyone. There's a new Napalm Death album out next week and we will be reviewing it. Can't bloody wait. I wonder what we'll say. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what they'll say about it. I wonder if they'll like the new Napalm Death album. Yeah, well, only one way to find out. Tune in next week. (laughs) Itching to talk about it. Let's say that. Yeah, 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 me too. All right, cool. All right, everyone, we'll see you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, Cheers.